This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Trump supporters gathering around his Florida golf course, showing their backing of the former president who left on Saturday without taking questions about the indictment. This as he prepares to fly on Monday evening to New York City, where he will stay overnight at his old residence in Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue. By Tuesday, he will take his motorcade four miles south downtown to the criminal courthouse for his official arraignment. He will be fingerprinted, but whether he takes a mugshot is yet to be determined. Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue here in Manhattan. Barricades are already up around the building. Demonstrators were there last week, and more could be out there for arraignment day. The NYPD says it is prepared, and Governor Hochul says the National Guard is ready to offer any assistance that is needed. He's gearing up for a, a battle. You know, this is something that obviously we believe is a political persecution, and I think people on both sides of the aisle believe that. It's a complete abuse of power. He's a tough guy, George, as you know, and he's someone who's going to be ready for this fight. We're ready for this fight, and I look forward to moving this thing along as quickly as possible to exonerate him. This Lewis, but this uh, great song, Scenes from an Italian Restaurant by the great Billy Joel off of the phenomenal Stranger album, was written and inspired inside a restaurant that the Rosenbergs attended just two days ago, Saturday night. Yes! True story. We went back to uh, one of our favorite joints, if you will. Great Italian restaurant. It's called Il Cortile, and it's on Mulberry Street, Little Italy. And you hear me doing their commercials on this show all the time. Tommy and Sal, the brother combination of Tommy and Sal, are terrific guys, and that is a great restaurant. So I was there about um, a little over a month ago. It was uh, Tommy, his uh, friend Katina was there, and I was there with Gabriel and Glenn Tacinelli. And then we went back 
on Saturday, Tommy was there again, Katina, his brother Sal, Danielle uh, was there with us this time, my beautiful wife, Gabriel, and Gabriel's little friend, Ashton. And we had dinner there on Saturday, and it was such a great time. The food is outrageous. It is so good. And it turns out that Billy Joel was having dinner there one night many, 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 many years ago. And he asked this waiter, Angelo, who's been there for like a 100 years, about uh, wine, red wine, white wine. And according to Angelo, and he tells the story better than me, obviously, right there at Il Cortile on Mulberry Street in Little Italy, Billy Joel was inspired to write scenes from an Italian restaurant. Isn't that pretty cool? Have you been there to that restaurant yet, Lou? No, and that's the first time I uh, ever heard that story. Pretty cool, right? Right. You would love that restaurant. It looks uh, nice. It's beautiful, bro. Really nice. Yeah, it's beautiful. Got a Roman atrium in there, and uh, just great. Food's great. Appetizers. Uh, Danielle had a beautiful field shop. You know what I had for the first time in 30 years? When I was a little, little boy, I used to go to a place with my family called Louis Gino's. And that was in Brooklyn, right off of Coney Island Avenue. And that was our family Sunday night Italian restaurant. The Coleman's went, my cousins, the Beermans, the Rosenbergs, all went to Louis Gino's. And I only got veal parmesan. That was it. That was it. And then somewhere in my teens or early 20s, I was at some Italian restaurant. I forget which one. And I got the veal parmesan, and the end of the veal was like veiny. And I've been into it. Have you ever had this before with chicken or veal? It was like veiny and hard. And I got, I was like, oh, I can't do this again. And about 30 years ago, uh, at this particular, uh, particular restaurant, I switched from veal parmesan to chicken parmesan. And I've had chicken parmesan for 30 years since. And for the first time since the 80s on Saturday night, I had veal parmesan. And it was delicious. My veal, it was pounded so thin. That's the key. Whether you have chicken parmesan, veal parmesan, it's got to be pounded thin. If you have a thick piece of chicken or veal, horrible. So Danielle had the veal chop. I had the veal parmesan. The boys had the chicken parmesan. And it was just a great dinner, great dinner. So. And then yesterday, it was a big uh, eating weekend for us. Last night, we went to a place called Bubby's, which is in Tribeca which is like real, real food. I'm talking about fried chicken and pancakes. That's what Ashton had, uh, you know, fried chicken. I had a, a tomato soup with a thick grilled cheese sandwich. You dunk it into the soup. It was just great. So that's all we did all weekend long was watch um, Donald Trump. I think I spoke to Joseph Takapina 30 times this weekend. 30, I'm not exaggerating. And uh, we went and ate Il Cortiel on Saturday and uh, the great Bubbies on Sunday night. But I did spend yesterday morning doing laundry because uh, we're leaving tomorrow night to go see my daughter. I haven't seen my daughter since January, and she's really homesick, and I, and I miss her a lot. And not only does Passover start on Wednesday, which is a big deal for us Jews, it's a big deal for everybody this week. Passover Wednesday and Thursday, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. This is a huge week. But uh, above and beyond the religious holidays, this Friday, I can't believe I'm saying this, this Friday, April the 7th, my little girl Ava turns 19 years old. I said to Danielle, I said, wait a second. Are you telling me that Ava is in her last year of teens? This is it? 19? 
And sure enough, that's the case. We'll be with her to celebrate her birthday, have our first Seder together, all that good stuff. So we're leaving tomorrow night. So Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I won't be here. Now, I did give these guys a list of five people who ideally uh, should be hosting the show when I'm gone. Any combination of the five, I don't care. Led, of course, by John Katzmatidis, who will join me this morning coming up at 7.05. Some big news on the energy sector, OPEC, oil, all that stuff. We'll talk to John coming up at 7.05. He's at the very top of this list. And the other four folks that I included, Frank Morano, Laura Curran, Dominic Carter, and Curtis. So I don't know who they're going to use or what they're going to do. I don't know. But uh, tomorrow will be my last show until next Monday. What is our next Monday's date, Noam? I don't even know. It's, uh, I guess it would be the 10th. That would make sense because today is the 3rd. Right. And then it's seven days from now, and 7 and 3 is 10. Okay, okay, fine. I got it. Yeah, (laughs) please. It's a big birthday month for the Rosenbergs. Ava turns 19 on Friday, and 16 days from today, Noam, 16 days from today, I turn 56. It's my Lawrence Taylor birthday this year. That's a big one. I know. Big, very big. And uh, my mom, of course, celebrates, well, I should say I celebrate my birthday the same day as my mother. I was born on my mother's birthday, April the 19th. And the great Naomi will join me this morning once again, coming up at 9.05. She is despondent. She is so angry and sad over this whole Trump situation. She was uh, tough to talk to last night. But she's uh, celebrating, of course, the same day birthday. So big birthday month for the Rosenbergs. You're not an April guy, are you, No, I am not. Dece- you're talking about, like, just do I like April? No, or is I mean, my birthday you're not an April, April birthday guy. No. You're not an Aries like me, Naomi, Ava. Those are the smartest people. Aries. Most creative, smartest, toughest, all of that. Lewis, you're an Aries, right? I started. I am right on the cusp. Right on the cusp. See, my, uh, my birthday is right on the end of it. Some people say I'm already a Taurus, but I'm not. You can go either way. And, of course, the day after my birthday, April the 20th, just happens to be Adolf Hitler's birthday. No, not great, but <laughs> yeah. my, my brother's birthday is on April 20th. Is that right? I have a brother that, yeah. So he celebrates a birthday with Hitler. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's also a hot day. You know, it's a big day for a week. Yes, yes, 420. 20th. That's yeah. exactly right, yes. You would rather talk about that. Than the Hitler birthday, yeah. I imagine. <laughs> yeah. So I spoke to Takapina about 30 times this weekend. The president will make his way to New York City. He should be here, I'm hearing, about noon this afternoon. He's going to go to uh, Trump Tower. He's going to hang out there all night. I'm sure Takapina will be there waiting for him. And then at some point tomorrow, he'll make his way to the criminal courthouse. He will be arraigned. They're hoping to get him in and out right away. And just so you know... President Trump has zero plans of staying here. I mean, as soon as he's done in that courthouse, he's going right back to Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> he ain't hanging around for a couple of days. He hates it here. What New York has done to him between this uh, no-good bastard, Governor Cuomo, he no good, Letitia James, Alvin Bragg, Bill de Blasio, even my friend Mayor Eric Adams, they're, they're all, they all treat him like garbage. So we can't wait to get out of here. So he'll arrive today in the afternoon, go right to Trump Tower. You won't see him. And then uh, tomorrow, go to court. And as soon as court is over, he's out of here. But Takapina went on with George Stephanopoulos yesterday. And he texted me right before. He said, I'm going on with George. I said, watch out for this weasel. He goes, of course I know. 
and Takapina hammered him at the very end of the conversation. Let's get these uh, early quotes in, though. Here on ABC This Week with the weasel George Stephanopoulos, Takapina says uh, him and Trump, they're gearing up for a battle, and they are ready to rock. Joe Takapina, Lou Rapino, cut number one. He's gearing up for a, a battle. You know, this is something that obviously we believe is a political persecution, and I think people on both sides of the aisle believe that, that it's a complete abuse of power. He's a tough guy, George, as you know. And he's someone who's going to be ready for this fight. We're ready for this fight. And I look forward to moving this thing along as quickly as possible to exonerate him. You know, I keep hearing from some Republicans, even Takapina, that both sides, people on both sides realize this is just political persecution. And now this is very anecdotal. I haven't talked to one Democrat who's not excited about this. Not one. Not a family member. Not a, a friend. These morons who live upstate. In my mother's community, White Lake Holmes, morons. They're excited about this. And even some have said to me, you know what? We realize this case may be nonsense, but he got what's coming to him. As I talked before, it's kind of like arresting Al Capone for taxes. It's kind of like getting O.J. Simpson on memorabilia. And they're saying, hey, we don't care whether this indictment is, is strong or not. He got what's coming to him. So I'm not getting a sense from Democrats, that they're very upset about this. Republicans, yes, not Democrats. But, of course, if you take a breath and uh, stand back and you're able to put your Trump hatred aside, there is no question this is nothing more than political persecution, which is what Joe Takapina says right here, Lou, in cut number two. What evidence do you have that Democrats see this as political persecution? You said people on both sides of the aisle... Yes, I mean, this. I mean, look. There's been. There's not only articles have come out from the New York Times, Financial Times, and whatnot, saying this would be a, a grave miscarriage of justice, a mistake to bring this case. But I've heard Democrats coming out on, on various talk shows and, and, and radio shows and whatnot, saying that this is not the case. Not that they're supporting Donald Trump or embracing him, but that's what. I, that's my point all along, George. It shouldn't matter what side of the aisle you sit. Um, if you're an American and you're concerned about rule of law. There should be no scenario where you want this to happen because we all know, and if you're intellectually honest, we all know that had Donald Trump not been Donald Trump and it was John Smith, this case never would have been brought. If he was not running for re-election, there's no way this case would have been brought. This case is not even legally sufficient. Um, factually, it's a joke, and it won't survive a challenge of, of law in a courtroom. He's 100% right. If he was not Donald Trump and running, not just running, but uh, at least as of right now, pummeling the competition. I mean, he's beaten DeSantis by 30 points, 40 points, 18 points. He's hammering everybody. I mean, I watched this uh, ass face, Asa Hutchinson, who's this governor out of um, Arkansas. And for some reason, ABC yesterday, Jonathan Carl, George Stephanopoulos, they actually deemed Asa Hutchinson important enough to interview him about Donald Trump while Asa announced he's running for president. Now, this moron, he ain't going to get 1%. He's going to get less percentage than Tim Scott, who's not going to be competitive, than Nikki Haley, who's not going to be competitive, than Mike Pence, who's not going to be competitive, than Mike Pompeo, who's not going to be competitive. And they put these people on like Asa Hutchinson. I'll play his quotes later. Who cares what he says? My God, who cares? So they have not seen the indictment yet. They won't until tomorrow, until the arraignment, Joe Takapina. 
Some say there'll be 24 counts. Some say there'll be 35 counts. Some say there's one felony. Some say there's multiple felonies. We don't know. But here's Takapina with Stephanopoulos talking about the indictment and basically what a bunch of BS it really is. Cut number three. You haven't seen the charges. I haven't seen the charges. You don't know what's behind that right now. Such oh, idiot. I do know it, George. I mean, come on. You, look, you, they should extrapolate counts and, and make one thing into five counts and say, you know, this check, uh, each individual checks account or each entry's account. But we all, we do all know that it has to do with a confidential settlement agreement, a completely legal confidential settlement agreement with Stormy Daniels, her attorney, uh, Michael Cohen her, and her attorney signed that together. Donald Trump did not. Um, we do know it has to do with that. So that's what this is about. And and the entries into the ledgers would be misdemeanors, and they're not even false, but they would be misdemeanors and way past the statute of limitations. So you had to cobble some misdemeanors together to show that it was done with intent to cover up another crime, and that crime would be a violation of federal campaign law, which the FEC said did not happen. The U.S. Attorney's Office of the Southern District said did not happen. So I, I, I really am, am not going to be shocked to see what's in this indictment. I'm, I'm going to be curious, of course, but we do know that the counts revolve around the interaction with this settlement agreement with Stormy Daniels. Then George went on to ask my dear friend of 43 years, Joseph Takapina, what can we expect at tomorrow's arraignment, Joe Tacopino Lewis, cut number four. What should we expect to see on Tuesday exactly? <laughs> That's a great question, George. Um, I, you know, this is unprecedented. I don't know. I've done a million arraignments in that courthouse um, with, with celebrities and whatnot, but this is a whole different thing. Um, we have Secret Service involved. Um, I understand that closing the courthouse for the afternoon. Um, I, I just don't know what to expect to see. Hopefully, what I, what I hope is that we get in and out of there as quickly as possible, that it's, uh, at the end of the day, a typical arraignment where we stand before the judge, we say not guilty, we set schedules to file motions and whatnot or discovery, and we move forward and, and, and get out of there. I mean, look, I understand there's you know, a lot of emotion on both sides of the aisle here. Um, for me, as a litigator, as a lawyer, I want this to be done as smoothly and quickly as possible and begin this fight to, to really um, put justice back on course to the degree we can. Because I've said once the rule of law falls in this country or is stretched so far to try and get a political opponent, it's often hard to get that rule of law back to its original shape. And finally, this last cut is where it gets a little ugly between Takapina and uh, dickhead George Stephanopoulos. In fact, Takapina kicks his ass right here. Trump is on record saying he thinks the judge in this case is biased. So Stephanopoulos asked Takapina, do you think the judge is biased too? Remember, he asked Takapina, right? He wasn't interviewing Donald Trump yesterday, George. He was interviewing Takapina. And we didn't get his answer. Takapina reminded him who he was talking to. It was an ass-beating Joe Takapina Lewis cut number five. But President Trump has attacked the judge. Is that your team's official legal position? Do you believe the judge is biased? No, I don't believe the judge is biased. I mean, the president's entitled to his own opinion. Look, he's been the victim of a political persecution. You, you know, I, George, you don't have to subscribe to it. I, I honestly don't care. It's a fact. It is a fact because anyone other than Donald Trump would not have been prosecuted for this ridiculous factual scenario. But if you don't believe the 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 judge is biased, why is the president saying so? You're interviewing me, George, Mm. right? But you're his attorney. For anyone else except me. 
Yeah, I'm, but I'm his attorney, but I'm myself. I, I, I don't, I'm not his PR person. I'm not a spokesperson. He's entitled to his own opinion. And what he's been through, quite frankly, uh, I, I don't blame him for feeling the way he feels. You're asking me my opinion. Do I think the judge is biased? Of course not. How could I subscribe to that when I've had no interactions with the judge that would lead me to believe he's biased? So the answer to that, your question is, my response is absolutely not. <laughs> that is a beating right there. Well done, Joe Tacopina. George Stepanopoulos, courtesy of Channel 7, ABC, and George once again showing the weasel, to quote Mark Levin, a word he used to describe me last week, that idiot, the weasel that he really is. Somebody told me on Friday night I was uh, having dinner, and one of the listeners, you know, I can never trust the listeners either, to be honest, but somebody contacted me and said that Levin was talking about Adam Schiff. And he was, uh, I guess he used the word weasel again to describe Schiff. And then he brought my name up again. But we couldn't find it. I put Kevin Drosh and Justin Ellick on it on Saturday morning. They couldn't find it. I don't care. But um, anyway, there is no bigger weasel, to quote Mark Levin, than George Stephanopoulos. So we got a huge show coming your way today. The next two days are going to be very, very big because, again, I'm off Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week. My main man, owner, operator, host of Cats and Cosby and Cats Roundtable, John Katsimatidis, starts off our guest list at 7.05 this morning. Coming up at 7.25, almost won the gubernatorial here in New York. My man, Lee Zeldin, he was on Channel 7 yesterday. Coming up at 7.40, his Regular Monday conversation, the editor of the National Review, Politico, NBC, all of it. My friend Rich Lowry coming up at 840, Congressman Peter King coming up at 905. My mother, Naomi Rosenberg, and it looks like we may talk to Tim Russert's son, Luke Russert, on this program as well. So it's a huge guest list. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC, one 800 848-9222, getting going on a Monday morning with New York's favorite talk show. That's me, sitting friends in the morning on Talk Radio 77, WABC. In the morning, 77 WABC. If there's one thing in my life that's missing, it's the time that I spend alone. Sailing on the cool and bright clear water There's lots of those friendly people They're showing me ways to go But I never want to lose their inspiration Time for It's time for a cool change And now that my life is so prearranged I know that it's time for a cool change 
You know what was on Channel 7 yesterday was um, Chris Christie. My God, did he get fat. Oh, my God, Chris. Jeez. I mean, it wasn't like he was, um, he wasn't exactly Twiggy before, but my God. My whole screen is face took up the whole television screen. <laughs> He's big everywhere. Oh, my God. God. He's just a huge, huge dude. Well, you go back to that uh, very unfortunate photo that he took many years ago when he was playing softball for Boomer and Craig at WFAN, and he had a camel toe bigger than Naomi Campbell. <laughs> My God. That's hot. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's weird where his pants go and where <laughs> his uh, – that doesn't, doesn't look like the right place. No, it doesn't. Where no. his belt is. He un- just looked uncomfortable. He's tan and, you know, he, he his, his suit actually fit pretty good for a fat guy, but – he just looks uncomfortable. Yeah, that's what it looks like he's in pain. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, he's such a backstabbing weasel. I think I'm going to use that word quite a bit today. <laughs> so like the third time, third different person for weasel. And it's funny because I told Danielle she wasn't aware of the Mark Levin story. So I told her yesterday, I said, you know, the average one called me a weasel last week. And she said, that's okay, didn't I, miss? He used to call you that. I said, yes, he would call me and Bernard. Bald weasels. Here I am. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> All right. You got to kind of say it with a whisper the other way. Yeah. Say, you weasel, 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 weasel. You know, yeah, you're a weasel. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is pretty, bad. <laughs> pretty good term to use. <laughs> well, you don't want to be a weasel. Yeah. So weasel. I did uh, talk about this Asa Hutchinson. So they make a big deal on TV when people run for president, you know. And... At the risk of repetition, I've said this a million times. I get pushback from Brian Kilmeade. He seems to think that you never know, and nobody knew who Barack Obama was, and please stop. There's a black guy, Democrat, articulate. There's a million obvious reasons why, even though he arrived late on the scene, he was going to be competitive. There was nothing about Nikki Haley or Tim Scott or Mike Pence, for that matter, that uh, would lead anybody with any logic to you know, consider these people real contenders. And they are ten times more likely to be a contender than Asa Hutchinson. Do you even know Lou Rapino? What state Asa Hutchinson comes from? He's from the great state of uh-huh. Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. Not a horrible guess. That would be Ron Johnson. No, he was the governor in Arkansas. I believe Sarah Huckabee Sanders is the governor now. And of course her father Mike was the governor. But Asa was the governor before. No one knows who this guy is. Sorry, Alex Trebek. (laughs) So they asked him, they go, do you think that Donald Trump should step down now? And he's like, I do. But he did at least save himself when he said he's not going to. Nobody cares whether you think Trump should run or not. No one cares whether you're running or not. Nobody except for Jonathan Carl, George Stephanopoulos, and Channel 7. When Asa Hutchinson made the announcement yesterday, the world was waiting to hear. Lou Rufino, cut number 18. Have you made a decision? Are you running? I have made a decision. It's like LeBron James. My decision is I'm going to run for president of the United States. Oh, While baby. the formal announcement will be later in April at Bentonville, uh, I wanted to make clear that to you, Jonathan, I am going to be running. And the reason, uh, as I've traveled the country for six months, I hear people talk about the leadership of our country, and I'm convinced that people want leaders that appeal to the best of America 
and not simply appeal to our worst instincts. And that inspires me when I see everyday Americans just saying, give us good leadership, give us common sense, consistent conservatism, and optimism about our great country. And uh, that inspires me, and I believe I can be that kind of leader for the people of America. I mean, that's a joke, no? When, where, where did this guy come from? Adam? <laughs> I mean, this, give me a that, break. That's not serious. No, it's serious. Where, this is just... Oh, they did like a 15-minute interview with the guy about Trump and his thoughts and the country and what he's going to do. And this guy's not going to get 1%, not 1%. So I, b- I believe I, c- I tapped into a uh, sentiment of this country where, where I, don't need, I never heard that this guy like up about to run or anything. No, well, no, he did. no, no. He's been talking about it for weeks. I mean, okay. you got to be really like in the weeds with this type of stuff. He's a Hutchinson. Right. Normal people watch the Yankees go three and one this week. They watch the Mets go three and one this week. They can't wait to watch San Diego State play UConn for the national championship tonight. They're excited. The Knicks are back in the playoffs. That's normal, people. Well, yeah, unless Jim Nance had broken into the Final Four with this news. <laughs> Hello, friends. Asa Hutchinson will run. <laughs> right now, UConn's got it on a run themselves. You know, it's funny you mentioned Jim Nance, who, of course, is a dear friend of ours and mine, been on the show many, many times. Tonight happens to be his last game ever in college basketball. Wow. He's stepping down. He's still doing the NFL on CBS. He's the one team with Tony Romo. Of course, he'll always do the Masters until the day he dies. But tonight is Jim Nance's last ever college basketball call, San Diego State versus UConn in the finals, the end of Jim Nance doing college basketball. That's crazy. Yeah. Why is he doing that? I think he's just tired. You know, he's not a baby anymore. He uh, lives out there in Pebble Beach. And to be honest... College basketball blows. You know, people are like, oh, how cool is it that FAU was in the Final Four? It's not cool. It's disastrous. (laughs) I mean, we want to see North Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, those types of schools. You know, so now that the uh, the one-and-done rule is there and these kids go for one year, they light the world on fire and go to the NBA, and we've talked about this only a million times, you're not going to see Chris Mullen three years at St. John's or Bobby Hurley, three years at Duke, or Michael Jordan, three years at North Carolina. So, for example, FAU, if you've got a bunch of seniors that have played together consistently for three or four years, that becomes a dangerous basketball team, even though the talent is not up to par because they've got the chemistry that young kids at these other schools don't have. So the game is is not nearly the same. It's lost all of its star power. He does golf. He does football. He's in his 60s, and I just think he wants to play golf at Pebble Beach and hang out. I don't blame him. Anyway, traffic is coming up next, and then a bevy of big-name guests. But right now it's time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Listen to my man, John Katz-Matidis. He'll join me coming up in about 25 minutes at 7.05. It's the Katz Roundtable with John, where common sense does prevail. Always tells both sides of the story every Sunday morning starting at 8. Listen anytime on the WABC app. Here John talks with former Congressman Peter King, who will join me today as well, coming up at 8.40. 
Here's John and Peter King. Congressman King, there's so many things going on. Where do you want to start today? John, I think we could start maybe with the shootings in Nashville. I think too often, though, you find both sides not using common sense. I mean, the first thing Joe Biden and the Democrats talk about is doing away with assault weapons. Now, having said that, I voted to ban assault weapons, but that's only a small part of the answer. The fact is, most of the shootings in this country are not carried out with assault weapons, so I think it's wrong to emphasize that. On the other hand, Republicans shouldn't just say we do nothing about assault weapons. Let's have stricter mental health tests. Let's really decide why we need these heavy-duty weapons. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Alec here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankList.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers. Let's start on the hardwood with your playoff-bound Knicks, who clinched a postseason berth last night with their 118-109 win over the Washington Wizards at the Garden. Jalen Brunson and Quentin Grimes each scored 27, while Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin went for 22 and 21, respectively, giving the Knicks their fourth win in a row and their second playoff berth in three years. They'll see if they can make it five straight Ws come Wednesday night in, in Indiana again. Against the Pacers. As for the Nets, they inched closer to a playoff berth of their own with a 111 to 110 home win over the Utah Jazz. Who else but Mikael Bridges led Brooklyn in scoring with his 30 points at 35, uh, 39 minutes on the floor, helping the oh, Nets. That kid is good. Yeah, he's really good. I mean, like really good. He's like leading. The, he's leading every game in scoring. Like who's play. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Uh, when you got Mikael Bridges. He's averaging like close to 30 points a game since he. Since he went to Brooklyn. I think you want to sleep with him. Uh, no. Okay. Okay. Lou said that. Well, I'll be at the Barclays Center tonight seeing Bruce Springsteen. So. Oh, is that right? Yeah. That's tonight? Yeah, that is tonight. You know, um, our very own uh, Dougie, what a great guy he is. Yeah. He actually bought the tickets that Danielle and I auctioned off for Spotlight. The oh. Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia and DCD. Mm-hmm. He bought them. Yeah. So uh, that money goes to charity, and he went Saturday night uh, to the show. At the Garden. At the Garden. And he loved it. And he saw a bunch of very famous people. Well, he I... wasn't even there for two minutes. He saw Bridget Moynihan. Mm-hmm. He saw uh, Jeff Garland yeah. and a host of others. Well, we're looking forward to a really great set list. So. <laughs> and the show, by the yeah. way. Too. Yeah, and the show was pretty <laughs> good, too. Yeah. Well, expect me to roll in here next, uh, tomorrow morning with absolutely no sleep. <laughs> No. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the Nets will go for four straight come tomorrow night when they welcome in the Minnesota Timberwolves on the diamond. The Yankees secured a series win to open up the year with a 6 nothing win over the San Francisco Giants in yesterday's finale. Nestor Cortez will get the ball tonight in his first start of the season when the Yankees welcome in the Philadelphia Phillies for a 7.05 p.m. first pitch. The Mets had a right-hander win a major league debut yesterday as well with Kodai Senga striking out eight Marlins in Miami and route to the Mets 5-1 win finale. New York leaves Miami with a series win before heading to Milwaukee, where they'll meet the Brewers this afternoon at 2.10 p.m. Eastern Time on the ice. The Rangers snapped a two-game skid with their 5-2 win over the Capitals in Washington yesterday. As for the Islanders, they dropped a close one out uh, in Carolina to the Hurricanes, final score being 2-1. And last but not least, the Devils got smacked around in Winnipeg, losing 6-1 to the Jets last night. And of course, you got to look forward to tonight, the NCAA Men's Basketball National Championship game. Five-seed San Diego State versus four-seed UConn. That's tonight at 9.20 p.m. Eastern Time at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas. 
Texas. Here is sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. guessed it all right. I did make the trip to Rockaway this weekend with Dan and We did have Yacht Rock Radio on because you've already heard two songs this hour that we heard on Saturday. And Lewis... Hard to tell. <laughs> I start pounding Louie with texts. We're in the car for about three hours, going back and forth each way. So I usually send about uh, eight or nine songs. That one, Magic, by Olivia Newton-John, is a great song. She was so cute. Can't believe she's dead. Like a bunch of songs that should be served with a drink with an umbrella. Oh, no doubt. Like just, no doubt. Oh, my God. Rockaway, baby. You know, on Saturday was a beach day, too. And I was so depressed heading back into the city. It was gorgeous on Saturday. All right, listen. We got a uh, a boatload of big-name guests stopping by. My main man, John Katsimatidis. He'll be here at 7.05. Then everybody from Lee Zeldin, which Lowry, Peter King, my mother, Tim Russert's kid, Luke Russert, all stopping by today. But... How about this guy? My attorney, dear, dear friend of mine, just spent an hour with Joseph Takapina on Friday. I think I talked to Takapina next to Trump more than anybody about 10 times a day. Terrific uh, a guy again, my attorney, Arthur Idala. Artie, good morning. How are you, buddy? Listen, bro, of all those guests, there's only one great guest, and that's your mother. Let's, <laughs> keep, that in, let's keep that in the front of, of, the, of the line here. Don't, don't put her, don't lump her in with me and everybody else. Uh, I appreciate you. I, I, I remember very vividly my son's bar mitzvah dinner at Essex and Beauty in lower Manhattan, and uh, you were so great with my mom and my sisters. And Ava, I'm going to see Ava tomorrow in uh, in London, so... Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, sat, your mom sat on my right. Your daughter sat on my left. Yeah. Yeah, you totally were great. honored, by the way. And then we, we had a great time. Please tell your daughter I said hello. I will. I will. And send that to your very young at heart mother as well. I will. So, listen, you've, uh, you're have you a tremendous attorney. You've got a great career. And you've got very high-profile cases. Harvey Weinstein. I want to get to Alan Dershowitz. He was on me twice last week. He's got something brewing but uh, going back to our days together at Poly Prep, me, you, Joseph Takapina, are you insanely jealous right now, Audie, that Tak is getting all this press? 
No, no, no. No, I, I, I think Joe would tell you I'm, I'm probably his biggest fan, number one. And if we're going to be honest at 647 in the morning, um, I was called in October to represent uh, President Trump on the Trump Corporation case. And I couldn't say no fast enough. Um, I will tell you, uh, since you want to talk about our days at Polyprep with Joe, um, I'm not only Joe and I friends, uh, Joe is, I'm Joe's daughter's godfather. Yeah, I'm only kidding. Um, yeah, yeah. And no, 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 no. But I, I just want to tell you this. I, I'm a little nervous for Joe, only because one of the clients. Well, I hold on. Before you, before you, just tell me why you turned down Trump's offer a couple of months ago. It's the same reason why I'm afraid for Joe. Lawyers haven't done so well around uh, Donald Trump, and my my main client, who I love, who's, who you love, is Rudy Giuliani. And Rudy Giuliani can't practice law anymore because of his representation of Donald Trump. Now, I'm not saying – and then you mentioned Alan Dershowitz, and Alan Dershowitz is shunned by his whole community because he represented Donald Trump. And I'm not saying it's Donald Trump's fault, but in the circles that you and I travel in, uh, here in New York City and, and in parts of the legal community, it, representing Donald Trump is, is, is just – it's scary. Uh, I mean, look, Rudy Giuliani, as you know, is one of the greatest lawyers of all time, and they have stripped him of his ability to practice law and hence make a living. Yeah. I mean, you uh, know I mean no, I, I get it, but, but I get it. But, you know, Rudy got involved in that whole rigged election stuff, and this is entirely different. Oh, no, but, I mean, but, but, this, this, this is uh, – this I know, but this is clearly an abuse of power by Alvin Bragg. Like, like Alan totally Dershowitz said, anybody could win this case. Anybody. Uh, listen, I totally agree with you. But look at Alan Dershowitz. He got all jammed up for representing Trump in that impeachment thing, which was total BS as well. All Alan was doing was the right thing, defending the president of the United States. And, Sid, I walked into a restaurant in Martha's Vineyard where Dershowitz has been for 40 years or 50 years and I would not have believed. I would have said he was exaggerating if I wasn't there. And said he was actually like hissed at and booed at me and yeah. him. Yeah, I know. No, I, I remember. I remember. The, I remember the story with him at the general store when uh, the brilliant comedian Larry David actually almost started a fistfight. Yeah. And the other one, Seth. Um, uh, Alan uh, spoke at Seth Meyers' wedding. I think he may have conducted the wedding. He may have married him right in front of me. Uh, uh, Seth Meyers goes to pick up pizza at the pizzeria. I'm sitting there with Alan. He snubs Alan. wouldn't even look at him for taking a page out of Sid Rosenberg's book. I jumped right up. I go right up. Hey, Seth, how are you? I had Passover with with Seth twice at Alan's house. He snubbed the guy right in front of me. I wasn't going to allow that to happen. I'm from Brooklyn. I stood right up. Hey, Seth, how are you? Arthur, I know. Oh, sure, I remember you. Ba, 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 ba. Wouldn't even look at Alan. Why? Yeah. For one reason. Yeah. He represents Donald Trump. No, I, I get it. I get it. This is um, my attorney and uh, terrific guy, the brilliant author, Idala. And let's talk about, forgetting about who likes Trump, who doesn't like Trump, what people go through when they represent Trump, like Takapina. Let's talk about what you think about this particular case. As Takapina told Stephanopoulos yesterday, clearly this is a political persecution. Uh, they're going to find a couple of felonies, I guess. They've got anywhere between 24 to 35 charges. We don't know yet because the indictment won't be open until the arraignment tomorrow. But as a lawyer, put your personal feelings aside for Donald Trump. Is this one of the weakest cases you've ever seen? The only reason why I hesitate to say that is because we haven't seen right, the exactly. charges of her, the evidence. But I think it's horrible. 
I think it's absolutely horrible as a lawyer from the criminal justice system and as an American. And I'm going to tell you why, Sid. From everything we've heard, let's, so let's just talk about what we hear through the grapevine, so to speak. This is a 100% absolutely victimless crime. Nobody got hurt. Nobody lost money. Nobody was defrauded. Like, who's the victim here? Like, who's going to be standing behind the prosecutor going, rah, rah, rah. Oh, thank you, Mr. Alvin Bragg, for bringing justice to me and my family. Nobody. This is a 100% victimless crime. So that's number one. Number two, what are they going to get out of this? I will tell you right now, from what we know at this moment, I have two retired judges in my law firm, Judge Leventhal and Judge Cammons. I looked at them, and neither one of them, to be blunt, are, are big Trump fans. But I looked at both of them. I said, is there any judge that you know of in the city of New York, based on these facts, after a trial and Donald Trump is found guilty, would ever send him to jail? No. They both didn't even hesitate. No. So what are we going to get? We're going to get Donald Trump paying a fine and having – they're going to make him into a martyr and maybe the next president of the United States. This is – besides from a legal point of view, even if they have enough to shoehorn a bunch of facts into a crime, for what, to what end? To, who's it helping? Nobody. Who's it helping it, it, society? Nobody. Doesn't even help society. Right. You know, I, I did hear your client, Alan Dershowitz, say on Hannity's show last week, talking about judges and juries here in New York, it'll be impossible for Donald Trump to ever get a fair trial if we get to that point. And Dershowitz said, we've we got to move it to uh, Staten Island. And then I heard Stephanopoulos ask Joe Tacopina yesterday, is there any plans to uh, change the venue to a place like Staten Island? And Takapina said, has not even been discussed. So Dershowitz brought it up. Takapina kind of poo-pooed it. What do you think about that? So I can tell you a quick story, Sid. So before we get to try the Harvey Weinstein case, um, we move. I, take a mo- I put a motion together, and I remember it was a day in August, like in a Friday. I remember I was – that's the reason why I, was re- I remember is I was dressed down you know, I'm always wearing a suit and a tie, but I was like, oh, geez, it's August 18th. I'm going in. I, was just, I just had to file the papers. So I go into the appellate division to file the papers for a change of venue because you got to go to – I went to the higher court to ask for it to be done. And I hand it to the clerk, and he doesn't look at the caption. He's just talking. It's a guy I know. And he's just talking to me about the, the logistics of changing venue. And then he looks at the caption, people of the state of New York versus Harvey Weinstein. He looks at me and goes, Idala, what are you, crazy? Where do you want to – he goes, where do you want to try to move this to where there's not going to be prejudice against this guy, Mars? <laughs> and it's basically – first of all, it's a very high bar to get to change – move venue, number one. And number two, it's supposed to be somewhere where there's uh, – where no one really knows about the case or, you know, like it's really very a local case and you're taking it out of the local jurisdiction. Right. So I don't see the venue being moved, but I agree with Alan. There's no way you're getting a fair and impartial No, there's no way. Right. No, so Alan came out last week. Alan came out last week and he blasted Alvin Bragg's star witness, Michael Cohen. He said, listen, this guy's a felon, which is true. He's been to federal prison, which is true. How could this guy be the, the star witness? 
And it took Cohen all of about two seconds to bring up Jeffrey Epstein, which is a no-no because we all know at this point because of you that Allen was acquitted of all that and uh, there are no charges and it was just untrue. So according to Dershowitz on this show with me last week, when he heard that, he uh, is ready, if he hasn't done it already, to sue Michael Cohen for defamation. Have you guys started that yet? Well, the funny part with whole Michael Cohen is the day, as soon as um, Trump is, is announced he gets indicted, he must have, Cohen must have seen me on with Rosanna Scotto, and he texts my partner, David Schwartz, and he goes, tell Idala he was dead wrong. So I pick up the phone, and I call Cohen, and to his credit, said he answers the phone. And I go, tell me, Michael, what was I dead wrong about? He goes, you said everywhere they could never get a conviction because uh, because of me. I'm a liar. I'm a felon. I go, first of all, no one's gotten a conviction. They got an indictment, number one. I was like, and let's face it, Michael, you you have, you have a lot of skeletons in your closet that whoever winds up cross-examining you, if it's Mr. Tacopina, they're going to have plenty to work with. And he goes, and I have an answer to every one of those questions. <laughs> right. I have an answer to everything. I mean, he, he and I were going back and forth. It was pretty cool. Um, and, and I got to give him credit. Like we had, Even though we had a pretty heated conversation, we kind of hung up saying he, he would you know, keep talking to me. Because it's kind of cool Sid, to be in the middle of all this. I mean, I'm talking sure. to Tacopina on a regular basis. Joe's co-counsel is a wonderful lawyer, Susan Necklace. Yep. I talk to her on a regular basis. I'm talking to Michael Cohen on the other side of the aisle. I know the prosecutors. I know the judge. I, we, my law firm represents the court officers' union, so we know all the logistics for tomorrow, which are going to be insane. Um, and in terms of Dershowitz, Sue and Cohen, please, Alan, I got enough on my plate. <laughs> please. I, I, mean, I love Alan. Alan was in my office all day Thursday. He was with me when they announced that there was the indictment. It was me, him, and Geraldo. It was me, Dershowitz, Dershowitz's wife, Dershowitz's son, Geraldo and Geraldo's wife, having a bite to eat around the corner from my law firm. And the news broke, and, you know, Geraldo starts tweeting right away, and Dershowitz runs to my office to do 40 media hits. (laughs) Um, So it's been, you know, it's, it's... it's been wild, but it's sad. It's it all, you know, it, it's great for the media. They're selling all kinds of, getting all kinds of clicks on the Internet. But for those of us who grew up in the system, like I did, my father was an assistant DA in that office under Frank Hogan, the great DA, and, and people who worked under Bob Morgenthau. Oh, I'll leave you with this, Sid. A guy who worked for Bob Morgenthau, I think almost 30 years, the night of the indictment, around 8 o'clock on my service, I get a call from him. And he's a storied, great prosecutor. He calls me. He goes, Idala, I know you're friends with Takapina. Now, this guy retired from, from a prosecutor. He's never done a, a day of defense work in his life. He goes, Idala, I know you're friends with Takapina. You tell him he wants a pro bono lawyer who is a lawyer, who is a prosecutor in that office for 30 years. Sign me up. He goes, mm-hmm. I think it's an absolute disgrace what they're mm-hmm. doing in my office, to the DA's office. I'm embarrassed by what these guys did. Wow. So that's, a, that's, yeah. that's the general consensus. Yeah. Yep. That is, uh, by the way, you can't say general consensus. That is redundant because a consensus is general in nature anyway. But... <laughs> Thank you. Oh, wow, I appreciate that. Yeah. You go, yeah. Well, you know, because I, I used to say general consensus all the time, and every time I would do that, I miss, would tell me what I just told you. But uh, that was a great conversation, Artie. You're the absolute best. Seriously, thank you. Pretty amazing. Congratulations. 
Congratulations on all the success. And Thank everyone you, man. asks me, how come I don't hear you on number one show on the planet anymore? Well, you're back. Listen, listen, I'm not good enough. I'm no, good no, enough. no, no. It's pretty amazing that you and Joe Tacopina were both with me at Poly Prep. That's, uh, that's pretty amazing. You are back. You were great this morning, Audie Idana. Thank you so much. Have a great day, pal. You too, bro. Say hello to your mom. You got it. There he is, the great attorney, Arthur Idala. Again, hard to believe that there we were, the three of us at Poly Prep, Arthur Idala, Joseph Takapina, and Sidney Rosenberg 43 years ago, back in 1980. Take a short break, a big hour about to come your way with John Katsimatidis, Lee Zeldin, and Rich Lowry. All next hour, hour number two of New York's favorite talk show. That's me, sitting friends in the morning. Talk Radio 77, WABC. Sit in friends in the morning, 77 WABC. My man, Tony Orlando, of course, does a great job on our station every Saturday night, part of the Music Weekends, the genius move by John and Margot Kachimatidis, and Tony Orlando celebrating a birthday today. How old is uh, Tony Lewis? Mr. Orlando is 79. 79 years old today, Tony Orlando. Happy birthday, Tony Orlando. Donald Trump uh, will leave uh, Palm Beach around noon today. He'll be in New York City later on this uh, afternoon. He will go right to Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago. He'll go right to Trump Tower, I should say. He'll spend the night there, and then he'll go to court tomorrow. And as soon as those court proceedings are done tomorrow, literally wheels up. He's going right back to Mar-a-Lago. He does not want to be here. So uh, hopefully for him and Takapina, it's not a very long day tomorrow. He'll be out of here. So my first, uh, my second guest today, Arthur Idala, was just tremendous, is the man, of course, he's the owner and operator of WABC. He's got two great shows here, Cats and Cosby, weeknights at 5 o'clock, and, of course, the great Cats Roundtable, 8 a.m. every Sunday morning. And there's news on the oil front, and it's not good news. Here he is, my main man. I love him, John Katzmatidis. Good morning, John. Good morning, Sid. And uh, I called you last night because it's a serious thing that's going on. And I thought our, all our listeners should be the first to know because this news doesn't get decimated. We are in an economic war. The good news is we're not using bullets. We're not using nuclear bombs. <laughs> but we are in an economic war. Saudi Arabia yesterday on behalf of China, Russia, the new alliance. You know, in the in the 007 days, we used to call it Spectra. Yeah. Well, well, it's it's here. Uh, you know, don't forget China, uh, Russia, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, Brazil, Venezuela, India, Pakistan. They're all together, and now the new alliance they cut oil 1.6 million barrels. What this? 1.6 million barrels uh, over the weekend. 
Uh, and uh, the price of oil is soaring this morning in New York. It's over $80 a barrel. <laughs> and you're going to see the price of gasoline go up, the price of diesel fuel go up. Oh. And guess, guess what? All the food manufacturers that I predicted are going to start lowering the prices. How do you say it in Brooklyn? Forget about it. <laughs> well, it's not funny, but uh, I believe, as you yeah. told me last night, uh, this is the most depleted we've been in 40 years, dating all the way back to 1983 in terms of the amount of oil we've got now. So let me ask you this. Who is to blame for all this? Because you know, we can't let a good story go on without blaming somebody, John Katsimatidis. Who is to blame? Well, well, Saudi, it started with China and Russia. They made an alliance. And Saudi Arabia hates the White House. So China aligned with Saudi Arabia, aligned with have Saudi Arabia aligned with Iran last week. Then China aligned with Brazil. And we're losing all our allies. Yeah. In fact, China and I mean, Brazil, China, is... China and Brazil actually decided last week, John, I know you know this, they are no longer going to use the American dollar as backup currency. Gone. Goodbye. No more American dollar as a backup in China or Brazil. So we're really being frozen out by a lot of these countries. This is an economic war during the last cycle when, when uh, uh, President Biden uh, you know, broke with the oil industry, and the price of oil went from 55 to 120. A trillion, maybe more, a trillion dollars of wealth from North America, from the United States, moved over to Russia and Saudi Arabia wow. at and you know all, the, all all those nations. A trillion dollars. Well, guess what? We're going to have more money move over. Now, another ally we just lost about a half hour ago. You ready? You're sitting down? I am. Japan. We lost Japan, too? Well, Japan has broke with Washington on the cap of $60 oil, that they're not going to pay more than $60 oil. They said, the heck with Washington. We're going we're gonna to buy whatever we need from wherever we need. Now, the other game that's being played on – China and Russia, to their friends, they're selling the oil at a discount. So some people are buying it at a discount, paying whatever they want or whatever the deal is, and other people are paying. How did, I, how did, how did Abe Hirschfeld used to say? They're paying retail. <laughs> you know, you said, it's unbelievable, all these countries, uh, you said that, of course, this is going to affect us at the pump. And you know this, John, that the average guy driving around right now listening to Sid and Friends in the morning and listening to you with Reed at 5 o'clock every afternoon, uh, they're more concerned with their 9 to 5 guys making their eighty, ninety thousand. 90,000. They want to know how it's going to affect them. So when you say that this is really going to come back and hurt us at the pump, what kind of prices do you think we're looking at? Well, the prices uh, immediately will go up ten, uh, at least ten cents, maybe fifteen cents right away. Right. Uh, and the other, the other problem is that, as I was predicting, that price of food is going to go down. No longer, if you're a CEO of a food company and you saw what Saudi Arabia was doing, would you lower the prices of your food? No. 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 Of course not. 
course not. So, so it's going to affect us. Uh, and what does that happen? It happen? The American poor, the American middle class are going to get poorer, and the money is going to move from North America. It's going to move to China, Russia, Saudi Arabia, in those areas. But here's what I don't understand. Again, this is not my business. It's yours. And I, and I, and I don't believe, John, that most people are really up on this type of stuff. Uh, we, we buy a lot of our oil from all these countries when, in fact, we don't have to because we've got, we've got the oil here, but we, we, don't, we don't do it. And we buy it from these other countries. So isn't the fix as simple as drilling here? Is that still not the fix? Or not anymore. 100%. We could be an oil exporter and control the world market. Mr. Biden, President Biden, I respect him, has, not, has chosen not to do that. So what happens? The Saudis, Russia, and China are controlling the world market. We're, we're, and, and they are moving the wealth around the country. And as you said, China wants their currency to be the world currency instead of the dollar. Right. If that, if that happens, that's a real big problem. How weak is uh, the dollar right now around the world? Do you know, John? Well, the good news is a lot of people still want the dollar. I mean, the old joke about you want Chinese money? <laughs> and, uh, uh, and uh, you know, whom do you trust? Well, even though the stupidity we have in Washington, I think the, the, most of the world still trusts the U.S. dollar. Uh, and uh, the Brazilians, you know, they went with China. Well, they're stupid, too. Yeah. You know, well, it's not just oil, but uh, you sent me something else this morning, which is also chocolate. You know, uh, Bloomberg was reporting that this uh, oil story was surprising, was shocking, and you seem, John, to take offense with that. That, like, what was so shocking about it? You can see this coming from a mile away. Why do you think Bloomberg was acting as if it was a surprise when it really wasn't? No, it was a surprise because we didn't expect China to to uh, close down 1.6 million barrels, gotcha. uh, along with all the OPEC nations. It was a weekend surprise, just to just to tell Washington one more time. Screw you. Wow. <laughs> and uh, what about this uh, story you sent me this morning, John, that McDonald's, they are temporarily closing all their U.S. offices? What is that about? Uh, they're trying to figure out layoffs. Wow. Even McDonald's. And there's going to be big layoffs. Uh, and uh, look, the economy, uh, you know, if you go back to the sector, I recalled when they were raising interest rates, like it's going out of style, said. Uh, it first hit the real estate market. Uh, it hit uh, the construction market is down. Uh, new home sales are down. You don't want to pay 6 7%. No. Well, how much was, when you bought your house in Rockaway, how much was the uh, interest rate? Like well, 3%? We actually got it. It's funny you say that. Very smart, John. We got it at 4 right before it changed, and now it's like, like you said, 6 or 7 But I think the, okay. the week it was still at 4 we got it. Well, first, 20% of our country is real estate. They destroyed it. Second, the banking industry, they raised the price of interest rates so high, so fast, 
that the value of the bond portfolios, the value of the real estate portfolios in the banks dropped because your interest rates go up, value of bonds in, in, in real estate drop. So we hurt the, the banking industry. You know what's next to me on? You know what's next on the agenda? I'm actually scared to hear it, but tell me, go ahead. The rest of America, you, you know why? Because the banks are not going to lend any money. Yeah, I know. No, the I banks know. are yeah. going to uh, the banks going to shut down and say we got to take care of ourselves. We're not going to lend any money. Now, the other pro- big problem in New York, I you know uh, a, a New York Community Bank, which is a great bank, bought most of. Of uh, signature, signature bank. banks, right? But bigger problem, they didn't buy sixty billion dollars of loans, and that and the feds just hired Newmark to just to sell those sixty billion dollars in loans. A, who's going to buy them? Who? I give up. Who? I don't, well, <laughs> It's going to be a discount, and the yeah. people who, and who's, and the, the, the loans, if they're sold to hedge funds, yeah. and and uh, the loans uh, from a businessman in Brooklyn, right? One of your people. Yeah, probably so. And and, <clears throat> because you know, NYCB didn't buy a lot of those loans. Right. Right. And if it goes, if it goes to uh, those hedge funds that they sell it to, the squeeze play has only begun. You know, it's funny. When Gordon Chang comes on the show, John, which is at least once a week, maybe twice a week, it's always a really terrifying conversation. It's like the the Chinese are going to drop bombs in Midtown, and just a matter of time, we're all going to die. I have to be honest, this conversation with you just now is on that Gordon Chang level because you're talking about oil prices going through the roof and, and depletion that we haven't seen in 40 years, interest rates going through the roof, so the real estate market is shot. You're talking about uh, food suppliers having their issues, the banks having their issues, and eventually going to stop lending money. I mean, if this is really what the economy is all about right now, this sounds like it's about as bad as it gets, John. We have a serious problem. The banks are not going to lend, and the people who uh, their loans are being sold to hedge funds, fasten your seatbelt. Oh, boy. Wow. Well, that's why uh, it's so important to have you on, John. That's why you're great, because you're involved in all of these businesses, all of them, real estate, oil, supermarkets. So you know what you're talking about. So although terrifying, well, thank this you. Is, this is the first report. You're getting the first report because the news is being decimated very slowly. And WABC listeners are getting the first report. As soon as it's available, and you know all the facts, and I tell it the way it is, and uh, that's the important thing. Uh, you're great, John. I love you. Thank you for uh, giving the listeners this important information. It is a very, very big deal. Again, scary, but uh, very, very important. Thank you for sharing it with us here first. Uh, thank you. Thank you, John. Say, say hello to your mom. I will. T- today, thank my you. mom passed away 46 years ago. On this date? Today. Oh, John, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wow. I love you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Take Bye. care. Oh, that made me sad. 46 years ago today, he lost his mom. Jeez. Yeah, mine is coming on at uh, 9.05. The great Naomi Rosenberg. So there you have it, folks. Uh, the latest from John Katz and Matides on what sounds like a complete mess. 
and I mean a big mess, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Two great guests in a row right there with Attorney Arthur Idala and John Katsimatidis. Two more great guests about to come your way this hour. My man, Lee Zeldin, very nearly was the governor of New York. God, he should have been. He a lot better off. Lee Zeldin and Rich Lowry rounding out this 7 a.m. hour right here on Sid and Friends in the Morning on 77 WABC. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. My next guest is just an amazing man, a hero, first of all, served our country proudly, been a great congressman out of Long Island forever, I mean forever, and nearly won the gubernatorial in a state where it's almost impossible for a Republican to win, but he had such a great campaign. And, of course, he's a dear friend of mine. It's the great Lee Zeldin. Lee Zeldin, good Monday morning. How are you, buddy? Good morning, Sid. It's great to be with you. Good to see you, too. Last time I saw you, you actually snapped a picture of me from across the court where you were with your beautiful wife, Diana, and your two lovely daughters at a Nick game. You found me across the court. I don't know how you did it, but that was a great picture you took. Thank you very much. You know, Sid, Sid, don't take this the wrong way, but you kind of stand out a little bit on a crowd. <laughs> I guess the bald head and the tan and all that. You know, I, you know, you know what I, you know, what I love was so there was you know people who are listening they probably don't know this unless they were there at the game and they witnessed this one moment and I didn't get a chance to talk to you about it but I noticed that during the uh, t-shirt toss, uh, you know, usually the best chance that you have of getting other adults to uh, rally for you uh, to help get a t-shirt is when you're you know this cute little kid. Yeah. But I, I'm looking and I'm seeing a, a whole bunch of people on the front row, yeah, the, the front row at Madison Square Garden, <laughs> lobbying the T-shirt guy to get you a T-shirt. It's true. Now, yeah. I want to say, though, in your defense, that the moment this successfully worked, that you turned and you gave it to a little kid. Thank God. I did. I but gave I, it uh, to my son, Gabriel, actually. I was so furious I couldn't get it. I almost asked Chris Rock to get one for me. But you're right. I <laughs> I had the t-shirt. I got nervous. I got nervous for a second because I thought that you had like the entire first row going to get you a t-shirt. No, I thought about it. Trust me, but it went to little Gaby, who actually wore it just last night. That was uh, that was a fun time. Great seeing you and your beautiful family. You know, I mentioned uh, you nearly beat Kathy Hochul, and I know this is uh, in Nassau County, but got a phone call a couple of weeks ago from my friend Michelle Johnson. Uh, she's uh, Anthony Capitola's daughter. She's uh, out there on the um, Oyster Bay on that board, you know. And uh, Hochul's out there trying to put some some housing out there. And uh, she's freaked out, all of those folks living in Nassau County. Even Peter King was talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I know you know about this story, but uh, no matter what Hochul does, uh, she can't do anything right. 
anything. Yeah, and it's here we are April 3rd having this conversation, and the state budget was due by April 1st. And speaking of not being able to do anything right, once again, there's no state budget by that deadline. Now, there's a bunch of different things that there's some dispute going on between you – know, it's the Democrats who run Albany. They're, they're not sitting down at a table with Republicans to try to reach some bipartisan agreement and uh, ensure that not only that there's – uh, a political balance of power, but also a geographic balance of power. One of those items being this debate over housing, in many respects, it's coming across as vindictive. On Long Island, we absolutely crushed the governor's race. Uh, it wasn't even close. We won Suffolk and Nassau uh, by double digits and then some. And one of these pieces essentially has Albany taking control over these local housing decisions. And a lot of people who live on Long Island live on Long Island because they like to live on Long Island. Right. And, and the reason why they like to live on Long Island isn't because the federal government is doing such a great job controlling Long Island. It's not because the state is doing such an amazing job controlling Long Island. It's because of what Long Island is. And it's you know, because of these uh, decisions that have been made locally, and this is the way it should be all across the state and all across the country, believing in local control, local control of school districts, local control of, of housing, and much more. And uh, this push towards local control, which we saw uh, in the schools when she first became governor, uh, and now we're seeing local control push towards controlling uh, how housing and development is managed. And, and I would I would say this just a you know one very specific uh, example is you know pick a town on Long Island and you give Kathy Hochul the test of just how well she knows about that local hamlet, oh, and please. she's going she's going to flunk it. You of know, course. like people. There are people right now who are on a train coming in from Ronkonkoma train station, and you know, and there's a push for a Ronkonkoma hub, and Kathy Hochul isn't familiar with the sewer capacity uh, in in you know of those local roads, and you know which ones are two lanes and four lanes, and you know when you go through the the first ten or twenty questions that would come to mind of how to redevelop you know, a, a busy corner, she doesn't know the name no. of the corner. She doesn't know any of the local challenges, the local community leaders. She might know the local Democratic elected officials or committeemen, but that's where it ends. Yeah, about four or five minutes to go with my dear friend Lee Zeldin here. So folks may not know, of course, that you're an attorney. You received your Jewish doctorate at Albany almost 20 years ago. And when they impeached Donald Trump the first time, you were you were there. You were there to defend Donald Trump and as bad as those two impeachments were and the Russian hoax and the Ukraine hoax and all the nonsense he went to, now, now the coup de grace, now they indict the man. Now, we have not seen the indictment. We won until tomorrow when he gets arraigned here in New York City. He'll be here about 4 o'clock this afternoon. But it looks like this is about the weakest case we've ever seen, not just for a president, but any human being at the Manhattan courthouse maybe ever. So this, uh, it looks like on paper, Lee, is as bad as it gets. And I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. If you're celebrating today, you are a lousy American. 
Yeah, this is not a good thing by any respect. And for some of the people who are cheering this on, uh, I'm sure that they would have a very different opinion if they did the if the shoe was on the other foot test and it was a Republican district attorney, say, indicting President Biden or President Obama or some other Democrat. Which, by the way, they, they should they, do. They'd be losing their mind. Which they should do, by the way. <laughs> but listen, it's it's an important, uh, you know, th- that's one important test if you're out there cheering this on. And if you look at this fact pattern and what we know, and we'll see what the rest of it is when the indictment comes out, but what's getting reported is that it's, uh, based on a misdemeanor charge that carries a two-year statute of limitations, even though it was many, 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 many years ago that this allegedly happened. And in order to be able to charge President Trump, you have to be proving a felony with a five-year statute of limitations, which also has passed, but uh, they're going to have a legal argument to try to stretch that out. Now, what is the the big charge? that Alvin Bragg is going after, it's reportedly a federal campaign finance violation. Well, I don't know of any district attorney anywhere in New York who has ever prosecuted a federal campaign finance violation. I do know that the FEC goes after campaign finance violations federally. I know that the Department of Justice will go after federal campaign finance violations, but this is the district attorney in Manhattan going after it. I'm not sure of anyone ever going after it. Why is he going after it? Because it is President Trump, which is which really undercuts so much of what our system is about. Pelosi tweets out right after this whole thing happened that President Trump has a right to prove his innocence at a trial, which further shows just how completely screwed up the view is of this on the left. And lastly, I would, I would add that Alvin Bragg said before he had even taken office that he was going to be personally supervising this case. And he didn't know what the charges were going to be. He didn't know what the facts were. All he knew was that he was going to be going after Donald Trump. So when he comes in with his day one memo and he's refusing to enforce all different crimes across the board and downgrading all sorts of other crimes from felonies to misdemeanors, he has one charge that he is going to put a enormous amount of his office's bandwidth into, and that's going after this charge. So on so many respects, it's not going to pass any smell test. It has a whole lot of people upset, including people who don't even like President Trump, by the way. It's not just people who love President Trump. There's plenty of criticism coming from people who don't even like him just because they realize that this just is not fair. It is not right. There are not equal scales of justice, uh, and this should not stand. The venue should be changed. The charges should be dismissed. There's going to be so many different motions filed at the beginning of it. We'll see where it all plays out, but we'll, you know, finishing where we started here, Got to see what the indictment says. We have to have this conversation based off of our understanding of it from what's been reported. Yeah, exactly right. That's what uh, Joseph Tacopino, who I speak to about 10 times a day. You know, Leon friends with Joseph for 43 years since the fourth grade at Poly Prep, and he needs to see it too. He, you know, he he's been talking an awful lot and and uh, talking about what a really what a joke this is. But uh, we do have to see exactly. Uh, what they're talking about in that indictment before we can really throw this thing into the garbage. Anyway, I know you have a very, very busy morning. Thank you, as always, for hopping on, Lee. You know I love you. And I just can't wait for you to get back to your next position. Whatever it is, whatever it is, whether it's New York, whether it's federal, 
this state and this country needs Lee Zeldin. So thank you so much. Uh, thanks, Sid. Appreciate it. Take care. You got it, pal. The great Lee Zeldin. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. All right, been a big show already, real big. Arthur Idala, John Katsimatidis, Lee Zeldin. And now, of course, our scheduled Monday morning guest at this time, the editor of the National Review, Politico, NBC. He does it all. Love this guy, Rich Lowry. Good Monday morning, Rich. How are you? Hey, what's up, brother? How are you? Well, there's a lot up. Uh, Trump is on his way in, and he'll be here this <laughs> afternoon. And I uh, listen, I've got family members, and uh, I use the word friends loosely, but I've got certainly people I know for a long time, I mean upwards of 35, 40 years, that are celebrating. He got what he deserved. I mean, how more people, by the way, in the law field, Beth, how moronic, how stupid. I, I mean, I don't care how much you hate the guy. Hate his guts. Mm-hmm. You're allowed. It's a democracy. Hate his guts. But how stupid can you be to celebrate what goes against Every law we've got in this country, at least what we know now without seeing the indictment, how crazy is that, Rich? Yeah, it's uh, crazy and unworthy. And as Lee was mentioning, even people on the center left have said, wait a minute, what are we doing here? The Washington Post editorial board, this is not how it's supposed to work, and it obviously isn't. Um, You know, the the upside for Trump, obviously, I think he's going to go over 60 percent. And heads-to-heads with uh, Ron DeSantis, there was one a um, couple days ago that had him at 57, and that's just the start. I mean, the coverage uh, has been a wall-to-wall. Just look at Fox. I mean, it's wall-to-wall on this, all sympathetic uh, to Trump. So it's going to be a huge political benefit, at least initially. You know, we'll, we'll see how it wears. Um, the, the Mar-a-Lago raid sort of wore off over time. The thing with this, it's going to be going for in a high-profile way for a long time. I mean, you're going to have a trial at some yeah, point. Yeah. You know, I mean, what I'm worried um, about, but what I'm worried about though, as a Trump supporter, is the cumulative effect. I mean, this is complete nonsense. He will garner sympathy. He's got my sympathy, and you're right. The polls, he's just destroying everybody, including DeSantis. But now the Mar-a-Lago thing is in the news again this morning. January 6th is still out there. Georgia is still out there. Again, these are all dog cases. All four of them are dog cases. But the cumulative effect may, in fact, come back and bite them down the road. That's my fear. Possible. Yeah, I I agree with that. It's going to take some time, though, and it's going to look for a a while like he's just the nominee, and and that's that's it. And if it weighs him down, it's going to be towards the end. I think the the Atlanta case is – BS. I think the in the Mar-a-Lago case, they, he broke laws there, but if you didn't prosecute Hillary Clinton on something worse, and you're not going to prosecute Joe Biden, obviously, on something somewhat comparable, it's just the case there for selective prosecution will be really strong. And I don't think he committed any crimes related to January 6th either, but he could get indicted you know, easily three times, maybe four, but easily three. <laughs> That's great. Uh, the indictments don't matter. They can indict him 100 times if he's not convicted. And, mm-hmm. and by the way, you can put him in prison. He can still run this country. We do know that. In fact, yeah. the New York Post did a whole story yesterday on how practically he can run the country from prison. I hope we never get there. But you seem uh, very quick to give Donald Trump the nomination, even after Asa Hutchinson Announced he's running. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm watching George Stephanopoulos and Jonathan call these two morons on ABC, giving this guy literally 15 minutes of airtime on a Sunday morning. Asa Hutchinson, that's worse yeah. than Mike Pence. 
Well, that's that's the reason you get in is you if you're an Asa Hutchinson, you get that 15 minutes on Stephanopoulos that you wouldn't <laughs> otherwise. But hard to see, R- real hard to see. I always have a dose of modesty about presidential politics. You never know what happens. There, there's someone. That, Usually, who surges right at the end of Iowa? Mm-hmm. You have been thinking about Mike Huckabee, you know, Rick Santorum, um, but it seems unlikely that's going to be Asa Hutchison. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's uh, well. But who could that be? I mean, is is if it's not Asa Hutchinson? See, I've been saying all along, you know, this it's a Donnie and Ronnie show. Actually, yeah, it's a Donnie and Ronnie show. Uh, but uh, who's that person? Is it Tim Scott? Is it Nikki Haley? Is it Pompeo? Is it Pence? I don't think any of them have a chance to be competitive, let alone you know, get there at the very end. But if you had to pick one, who would it be? I would say, particularly in Iowa, it could be Pence. There, there are signs that evangelicals, have, uh, at least evangelical leaders, have uh, softened on Trump last couple of years. And, and he's he's an evangelical. He speaks their language. He knows, um, has the relationships, knows what drives him. So there's a chance that Pence, I think, could surprise in Iowa. Otherwise, you know, you just look at the rest of the field. And I, I have this conversation, Sid, with my friends all the time. So who's the, we know that the two most likely win the nomination. Who's the third most likely? And, you know, I know a lot of Pretty smart people. No one knows. knows. It's almost an unanswerable question. Nobody knows. So what do you think about uh, Joe Tacopina, the job that he's done? Again, you you know the story. I'm friends with Joseph for 43 years, and he's had quite the career. He already was uh, the man when it came to defense. I mean, Alex Rodriguez and Meek Mill and Lilo Broncado, Leonardo DiCaprio, Yoran Bandesud. He had some of the biggest names in the last 20 years, even John Gotti when he was a kid. But uh, this one now is a completely different level, and he's on TV ten times a day. I could barely reach him. What do you think he's doing so far? The job? I think I think he's doing great. You know, we talked about it last week on on Meet the Press. You know, the fearlessness just speaks of something. You know, confidence in the merits of the case. He'll go anywhere and defend it, literally anywhere. I mean, he's gone on MSNBC. And um, uh, by the way, he's gone on MSNBC twice. He's gone on with both Ari Melber and Al Sharpton. Yeah, and he's done, and he's done, oh, Aaron, and, and, so he literally yes. will go anywhere. Yeah, and he's done Aaron Burnett on CNN, and yesterday he beat the living daylights out of Stephanopoulos, beat him yeah. up bad. So the um, I, I missed that one. I have to go go back. Oh, and it's, it's good. He, another he, sign that this is total BS. Yeah. is getting up to thirty charges, uh, apparently based on just each piece of paper in each representation yes. and, a, and a log. Yes. It's a Kinko's indictment, right? You go to Kinko's, they charge you a nickel for each piece of, of paper you're printing or copying. That's what they're doing here to try to make it yeah. to uh, seem more consequential and momentous. And the Justice Department warns against this kind of thing, but it's what they're doing because they know actually in their hearts that the, this is BS too. So i got to play this for you. If you missed the Stephanopoulos interview Donald Trump has been uh, rough on the judge here in New York, and you can't blame him. It's a blue city, blue state. The judges are no good. The jury is going to be no good. In fact, even people like Alan Dershowitz uh, are saying they want to move this thing to Staten Island. I doubt there'll be a venue change, but it's not a horrible idea. So Trump has been critical of the judge. So Stephanopoulos asks Takapina, how do you feel about the judge? And this ensued. Takapina kicked his ass. Take a listen. Cut number five. But President Trump has attacked the judge. Is that your team's official legal position? Do you believe the judge is biased? 
no, I don't believe the judge is biased. I mean, the president's entitled to his own opinion. Look, he's been the victim of a political persecution. You, you know, I, George, you don't have to subscribe to it. I, I honestly don't care. It's a fact. It is a fact because anyone other than Donald Trump would not have been prosecuted for this ridiculous factual scenario. But if you don't believe the, do believe the, the judge, the judge is biased, biased, why is the president saying so? I'm, you're interviewing me, George, right? <laughs> I, but you're I'm his not attorney. Speaking for anyone else except me. Yeah, I'm, but I'm his attorney, but I'm myself. I, I, I don't, I'm not his PR person. I'm not a spokesperson. He's entitled to his own opinion. And what he's been through, quite frankly, I, I, I don't blame him for feeling the way he feels. You're asking me my opinion. Do I think the judge is biased? Of course not. How could I subscribe to that when I've had no interactions with the judge that would lead me to believe he's biased? So the answer to that, your question is, my response is absolutely not. How about that? You're interviewing me, George, not Donald Trump. You want my answer? Here's my answer, big mouth. Yeah, and and you know he's he's right though about obviously Trump should be upset. And one thing that Trump focuses on, a lot of people don't, is his company only would have been prosecuted because it was called the Trump Organization, right? Not the Smith Organization or the Jones Organization. And then his accountant, Alan Weiselberg, is sitting in Rikers, <laughs> seventy-five, seventy-six-year-old yeah. man, yeah. as we speak. Yeah. Only because they're trying to squeeze him to get him to, to flip on this Stormy Daniels payment case where apparently he hasn't been saying what they want. That is outrageous. I mean, and, and you'd think every civil libertarian in the country would be screaming about it. Of course. But obviously not a peep. I mean, if I look outside my, my window right now on 3rd Avenue, I can probably spot somebody who's walking the streets, who's had 19 prior arrests, who right now has a mm -hmm. gun in right. their possession – who wants to do evil today, that guy's walking down 3rd Avenue. And like you said, this old Jewish guy, 76 years old, yeah. is in prison in Rikers Island. And that's what Alvin Bragg is worried about. How anyone in this city can't be sick about Alvin Bragg, Trump lover or not, I just don't get it. Also, Jonathan Turley made this point in a near post column a couple of days ago. If Donald Trump had robbed Stormy Daniels at gunpoint, He'd be off. Right? Yeah. There'd be no question of him getting <laughs> getting prosecuted. The problem was, and this is another perversity, Sid, right? She was extorting him. Yes. Right? <laughs> it was an extortion scheme. He could have gone to the cops, you know, and filed charges against her. And just because he paid it, you know, now he's in trouble. It's But the whole thing is, is so backwards. I'll tell you who this is great for, though, Joe Biden, because I have not played a Joe Biden gaffe in days. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Nothing. I mean, they're just sitting back and enjoying it. They absolutely are, right? Yep. There's no chance that Joe Biden comes out and says, look, I ran against him. I didn't do it again. I don't love the guy, but this is unfair. Never? Yeah. I, I, I have a friend of mine who says that the ultimate um, jiu-jitsu move on Biden's part would be to pardon Trump tomorrow. <laughs> Trump would be so pissed, right? There, there would be the implicit uh, idea that he was guilty and needed a pardon. Yeah. Joe Biden is above it all. But there's no way, given Biden's face, there's no way he could do it. Well, you know, you talk about a pardon, and we'll wrap it up with this. It took all of one minute for Ron DeSantis to say Thursday afternoon after the indictment was announced, guess what? I'm not getting involved in extradition. I am not going to send a marshal to that man's house. So we've been talking for months, you and I, about this relentless attack by Donald Trump on Ron DeSantis. And when is DeSantis going to fight back? And given the opportunity, DeSantis said, nope, not my guy. You're not getting him. Yeah, I mean, you just can't say a discouraging word at the moment. The emotions are running so high. I think that was a little bit of a, uh, a BS statement. It didn't really 
commit himself to fighting extradition if it came to that. Plus, he knew that Trump had already agreed to go. Right. So it didn't really matter, but showed he, he knows what which way the wind's blowing. So on the way out, which this is, it should be at least, no matter who you are, this afternoon when he arrives in New York and certainly in that courthouse tomorrow, a very sad day in American history. Yeah, no, absolutely. But it's going to be a very memorable day as well. I imagine we'll get something like we did the night uh, of the Access Hollywood tape with Trump with the crowd, uh, you know, um, raising his fist in defiance. I think, you know, we'll very quickly see the mugshot, which uh, we're not supposed to see. And um, uh, this 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 at least in this chapter of American history, we've passed some sort of inflection point where things are things are going. We thought things were crazy prior to this. Um, After Tuesday, they're going to be crazier. No handcuffs, but you're right. There'll be a mugshot. There'll be fingerprints. There'll be all that stuff coming up tomorrow. As always, Rich Lowry, nobody better on a Monday morning. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ed. Appreciate it. You're the man. And by the way, your Yankees are three and one, so congrats. There we go. (laughs) We're almost there. Only 158 more to go, Rich. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. The worst day of the season for me is always the the day after opening day when they don't play. You've waited months. Right. They can't play two games in a row. Why? The Mets play two games in a row, but you're right. The Yankees didn't do it. But a good weekend nevertheless and a great appearance here by Rich Lowry. What a terrific two hours. Author Idala, John Katsimatidis, Lee Zeldin, and Rich Lowry. Still some great stuff to come, including Congressman Peter King. And you ready for this? My mother, Naomi, makes her return coming up at 9.05. And let me just say this. My 87, soon-to-be 88-year-old mother, her birthday is in 16 days, just like mine is. She's pissed, really pissed. Naomi, keep it right here. Second half of the Monday edition of New York's favorite talk show. That's me, sitting friends in the morning. We're coming right back. and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
Look at this. Punched on Lemon. CNN, other media outlets are asking the judge to unseal the indictment before. Who are you? Do you realize that CNN lost nearly 70% of their morning audience? 70%. You got, <laughs> And they're asking the judge to unseal the indictment. Don Lemon, this racist loser. Why is uh, Alina Haba? She's one of uh, Trump's attorneys. I know Joe Tacopina basically is lead counsel now. But uh, Alina's been on a lot of shows, too. She's cute. Why is she on with CNN? They actually had John Miller on this morning, too. My God. I, I, uh, you know, I'm all for, look, like I said, Tacopina's done Ari Melber. He's done Al Sharpton. He's done CNN, Aaron Burnett. He's done a bunch of these woke liberal networks. But I hate it when decent Republicans, decent people, go on CNN and or MSNBC because they are the worst people God ever created. The absolute worst. Isn't that right, Justin? Yeah. You don't care. What did you just say? Are you going to watch tonight? What will you be watching? Trump coverage, San Diego State versus UConn, or Yankees, Phillies? Uh, None of the above. I'll be at the Bruce Show at the Barclays Center, so I'll be watching Bruce Springsteen. Oh, you're going to see Springsteen tonight. That's right. It's like the fourth or fifth time I've told you. No, I forget. It's the second time to be on it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. (laughs) Yeah. So Kimball Gilpoil was on with uh, Katz and Cosby on Friday. Who? Kimberly. Yeah. He sent me a uh, message on Thursday night, and I showed it to Justin. I may have showed it to you, Lou. It was the weirdest, oddest message I've ever gotten. Yeah, she was verklempt. What was wrong with her? I don't know. She seemed really... Uh, she, like, freaked out on the message. She was, like, worked up. Yeah, she's like, uh, I'm like, do you want to come on tomorrow? And she's like, sure, but can you give me five seconds? Yeah, she was overwhelmed. She was, what are you going to do? Yeah, please. Know. Give me a break. First of all, Eric Trump was on with Sean Hannity literally two minutes after Kimberly sent me that message. And the next morning, Lara Trump, who's a blood Trump, mind you, KG, is marrying into the family. Lara, a blood Trump, she was on with me. So uh, the dramatics were a bit much for me, but she did go on, Kimberly, with Katz and Cosby on Friday. And she broke down this indictment like Joe Tacopina and others have done for a week now. Here is Kimberly Gilfoyle, once again courtesy of Katz and Cosby, 5 p.m. every weekday here on WABC. This, Lewis, is cut number six. This DA is so politicized. He has weaponized the whole process. You know, as a former prosecutor, I took the job and the oath very seriously. And what you see here is a malicious, selective prosecution against a former president of the United States where there is no facts, no evidence, no crime committed, and instead this guy wants to further his own career, and this is all about, you know, he's a George Soros-funded uh, prosecutor. This is all about trying to affect the 2024 election because President Trump has announced that he is seeking re-election. Not only announced he's seeking re-election, but just murdering everybody in the polls. Again, big, big numbers over Ron DeSantis, and whoever's in third is like 40 points behind. She makes that point about politicizing this because of Trump's big numbers with this cut, Lewis, cut number seven. The polling shows the majority believe that this is a politicized prosecution, highly improper should not happen whatsoever. And they were saying, oh, we're going to take off for two weeks. We're not going to be the grand jury. Oh, we're going to be adjourned until the end of the month. And what did we see? All of a sudden they turn around and throw this sham indictment at him. So these uh, douchebag Democrats, whether it's um, all these folks in White Lake Homes, you know who I'm talking about. You know who you are. Embarrassing. 
any other folks, if they think this is going to hurt Trump, well, they're about as dumb as I think they are. Because as KG's about to tell you, this is going to backfire in a big way. In a big way, Lewis. Kimberly Gilfoyle, cut number eight. But he's stronger than this. Everyone who's on this show right now knows how strong the president is. He's not going to be broken by this. It's just going to make him stronger. This is going to backfire spectacularly against the Manhattan DA. And that's what we're talking about here. The Manhattan DA, this fat loser, Alvin Bragg, who whether he was pressured into this by the people in his office, by his constituents, again, Cy Vance didn't bring this case. The feds didn't bring this case. He didn't want to bring this case, Alvin Bragg, to be honest, but he eventually did. And he opened up Pandora's box here, folks. Now, no one's safe. Next time, it'll be your candidate. It'll be your child. It'll be your parent. These ramifications of this go far beyond your dislike for Donald Trump. That's what you folks need to understand. But you can't get past it. This Trump derangement syndrome, this is a very debilitating disease. Very debilitating. You can't get past it. Lindsey Graham, the pride of South Carolina, talked about Pandora's box. This, Lewis, is cut number 10, courtesy of Sean Hannity and Fox News. This is a moment in American history. This is the most irresponsible and dangerous decision by a prosecutor in the history of the country. He's opened up Pandora's box against the presidency itself. Hunter Biden and Joe Biden could be prosecuted under this theory if they were on vacation in South Carolina and made a call to China. This is a danger to the presidency. This is turning the rule of law upside down to destroy a man, Donald J. Trump, who the left fears. Do not let them get away with this. He goes on to talk uh, with Sean about all this is, this whole indictment, this arraignment tomorrow, all this is, is the hatred for Donald Trump. That's it. Cut number 11. So what's behind all this? Hatred. They tried to destroy Kavanaugh because they wanted to keep the Supreme Court seat open. They're trying to destroy Donald Trump because they fear him at the ballot box. To the conservatives out there, make sure you vote. If you got friends, make sure they vote. If you don't have any friends, go make some friends. <laughs> but you need to help this man, Donald J. Trump. They're trying to drain him dry. He spent more money on lawyers than most people spend on campaigns. They're trying to bleed him dry. DonaldJTrump.com. Go tonight. Give the president some money to fight this bull****. This is going to destroy America. We're going to fight back at the ballot box. We're not going to give in. How does this end, Sean? Trump wins in court, and he wins the election. Actually, I read that he received almost $5 million already in campaign money since this indictment uh, was made public. $5 million. There is a thought that eventually Donald Trump may testify. Donald Trump's former AG, a guy I really like, actually, Bill Barr. They had the difficulties at the end, Trump and Barr. But I like Bill Barr. He said that would not be a very good idea. Lou Rapino, this is Bill Barr, cut number 17. If the president was your client, would you put him on the stand? Because i got to imagine in any of these cases, if it gets to trial, he's going to want to defend himself. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm not his lawyer. Uh, you know, generally, I think it's a bad idea to go on the stand. And I think it's a particularly bad idea for Trump because he lacks all self-control. And uh, it would be very difficult to prepare him and, and keep him uh, testifying in a prudent fashion. So, Andrew Cuomo. 
Let me get to him. You know the whole story last week. Mark Levin has now called me a weasel, <laughs> not once but twice. So now I'm in the crosshairs of uh, Mark Levin and who knows who else because I had the balls to sit here with John Katsimatidis on my program last week and talk about Andrew Cuomo. And Cuomo had the opportunity to come on with me, and he said he would come on with me, but when I told him what I wanted to talk about, he chickened out. I've already said this last week. This is nothing new. Cuomo chickened out. He did the show with John that night. And to John's credit, John Katsimatidis did a terrific job, asked all the right questions, and Cuomo lied his way through an hour, didn't really answer any of the questions, found a way to blame Donald Trump. So I'm done with him. He is not coming on this show. That's it. Done. I don't care what he does. He can fill in for Levin. He can take over a slot on this station. That's fine. But I'm done with him. And uh, actually, he made it exponentially worse for me this weekend when during a Palm Sunday speech yesterday, once again, Andrew Cuomo, this louse, found a way to criticize Donald Trump. Of all people, Andrew Cuomo. Cut number 20. Now, Donald Trump is out there. I don't know if you've seen him. He's out there. He's waving a baseball bat. Shut up. He's threatening death and destruction. He's like a character from the Old South. He thinks he's Bull Connor from the Old South. Well, sir, your first name may be Bull, but your last name is not Connor. I know Donald Trump, and I have dealt with him for years. Mm Do you remember when he tried to turn this nation against us during COVID sure. and make New York the enemy of the nation? I just Do stop you it right here. Stop it right he... here, you lying son of a bitch. Let me tell you what Donald Trump did for New York during COVID, as face. He sent the ship, the battleship, to New York. You know why? Because he didn't want to see old people like Janice Dean's in-laws die in nursing homes. And instead, instead of using that ship, which Donald Trump sent to you, which made, which would have made you, Governor Cuomo, look like a hero, instead of doing that because of who knows what kind of money you made, you decided to put sick people in nursing homes. That's what Donald Trump did. He also, last I checked, came up with the vaccines. Now, we know they don't work after a while, but they certainly save lives until they stopped working. That's what Donald Trump did. What did you do, Andrew Cuomo? What did you do? 18,000 elderly people died because of your policy. Don't you dare, don't you dare bring up Donald Trump. He did everything he can to help this country while trying to balance the economy and sick people at the same time. What were you doing? Sitting there mugging for the camera every day with your stupid press conference, lying to New Yorkers. Don't you dare, Andrew Cuomo. Sickening. At a church, mind you, on Palm Sunday. You can't even control yourself there. you got to bring up Donald Trump at a church on Palm Sunday. You should be thanking Jesus. You're not in prison. That's what you should be doing. And thanking Jesus for allowing you to keep $5 million for a book you wrote 
we supposedly saved lives when 18,000 people died. You should be thanking Jesus. Not ripping Donald Trump. Back after this. Is Sid and friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Here's a great song. Bruce Springsteen, Adam Ray's Kane. Bo Deedle, my man Bo Deedle, he'll be on tomorrow. Wow. You are effing great, telling it like it is. Cuomo. Thank you, Bo. Bo will be on tomorrow. So far, Bo Deedle, Bill O'Reilly, Monica Crowley tomorrow. We'll pack it up tomorrow because tomorrow's my last day. I'm going to see my daughter, Ava, who I miss desperately. Man, do I miss her. And uh, she misses uh, Mommy and Daddy and Gaby and the whole crew. So we're going to go see Ava tomorrow night, and I'll be back next Monday the 10th. So we'll load up tomorrow. Uh, Adam Raised the Cane, one of my favorite Springsteen songs that nobody talked about. Again, I do want to thank Doug Kisler, who works with me here at this station. He's a great guy and a very valuable employee here, mind you. And he actually bought the tickets that we auctioned off for Spotlight, the Spotlight Foundation for Dyspraxia and DCD, our charity for our son Gabriel. He was there on Saturday night at Madison Square Garden. He loved it, sent me pictures and videos all night, met some very famous and interesting people, and it turns out that Justin Ellick is going to see Springsteen tonight in Brooklyn. That's got to be awful. Why? Because the Barclays, you know, it's funny. It's it, I just I, I can't get into that venue. I just Like, I go to Nets games and... Yeah, I don't love it either. When you go to the Garden, even if the Knicks stink and they don't, they're a playoff team now. Congratulations to the Knicks or the Rangers. It's just, it's a completely different league, a, a completely different world. Like, Brooklyn is like so minor league. I don't know. Yeah, but it's still Bruce. I mean, no, I know. It's going to be know. the same exact show we did last night. At the I Garden. know, but you're going to have people sitting wearing like Carlos Levert jerseys. Yeah. It? Well, I just won't pay attention to him. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. You don't even like Bruce that much. I love Bruce. <laughs> How many times have you seen Bruce in your lifetime? Uh, Probably. Once? No, I've seen him at least five times. Oh, you have? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're a real Bruce fan. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, take that back. Okay. Before I get to uh, Noam Layden, I have to play this. Republicans are furious about this Trump arraignment tomorrow. And don't forget, Congressman Peter King is coming up next, then my mother, and Naomi's on a warpath. She is furious. 
about what they're putting Trump through. So my mom, Naomi, would join us at 9.05, and she's always a fan favorite. So the Republicans are furious, but there are some Democrats, too. Some decent-minded, real Americans, Democrats, who see this for what it is, which is a horrible, horrible example of political persecution. Bill Maher has become one of the voices of reason. And Bill Maher, trust me, ain't no Trump lover. And Bill Maher, Bill Maher ain't going to be going on Newsmax anytime soon. But he's a rational guy. He's a smart guy. He's able to take all these things like I do on a case-by-case basis. And the last couple of months, even more, he has been saying more nice things about our team than the other team because unless you're completely biased or stupid, while you can complain about both sides, the Democrats are clearly the more evil side. There's no question about it. So Bill Maher found a way to use the word masturbation, which is hot. Talking about the coverage for Donald Trump, this Lewis is cut number 19. But yeah, he's going <laughs> to surrender on Tuesday. He will be arrested. He will be fingerprinted. And everybody at MB- M- MSNBC is actually the same question. Is it wrong to jerk off to a mugshot? Oh, my God. Did he say that? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, my God, Bill Ma- That's HBO, right? Is that uh, is that where he airs that show? I think it's HBO, right? <laughs> no, that was on NBC. <laughs> He's right, though. I could see all of them sitting there, Joe Scarborough and Mike Barnacle and Willie Geis and Al Sharpton, Eugene Robinson, all with their pants at their ankles and one big jerk, one big circle. Uh, here he is. What does the floor manager do in that situation? <laughs> no late. No, I'm taking a part in a couple of those as well. Trust me, at WOR. No question about it. Him, Len Berman, Michael Riedel, hey, I'm Tom Cuddy. More, more exciting than on the air. Let me do this. <laughs> Good morning, Noam. What's happening? Good morning, Sydney. Um, so... I've had this happen to me in the past where I almost fell for one of these phone scammers. Like a long, this is a long time ago. You know, I used I, to do that for a living. You were a phone scammer? Well, well not a phone scammer. Don't say that. Well, we, what did you do? I was a telemarketer, otherwise known as a phone scammer. And what were, you, what were you selling? I don't even remember. I was I was just out of rehab. I needed a job, and the building had air conditioning. <laughs> I was in Florida, <laughs> and uh, they promised. You know what they do? They promise you these, like, crazy... Uh, I think it's, it was one of those, like, pyramid uh, schemes. You know what I'm talking about? Those pyramid schemes. Right. And I forgot what I was selling, but I'd be on the phones all day, and nobody would buy it. It was so depressing. But uh, every now and then, I got somebody to buy it. Not often. But what are you talking about? Well, here? this one is the latest one that a lot of people are falling for, and that's why I'm telling you about it. So it shows up on your phone that someone's calling you, and their actual name comes up. So let's say it was your daughter calling you from overseas, right? Right. Her name shows up, and you pick up the phone, and you expect her to be there. Is this an example of, like, AI, where they steal your identity? Remember, they did that to Brian Kilmeade show on Fox News last Saturday right. with Jackie DeAngelis, and we talked about 
some of these these people stealing identity doing just that. But you're saying this is a telemarketing scheme. This is a telemarketing scheme, but it is working. So in the case of this woman, Beth Royce, her phone rings. It's a picture. You know how you have it set up so your picture comes up or maybe the name comes up. In this case, a picture of her sister shows up on her phone and she says, oh, it's my sister. And she picks up the phone and this is what happens. It's so hard for me to describe to you how real this all sounded. And the guy was screaming at me. He sounded completely unhinged. He sounded crazy. He, I heard muffled sobs in the background. That sounded like a woman's voice. So, of course, I was like, oh, my God, that's my sister. I fully 100% believed that this was real. He told her that he was holding her sister hostage. Now, again, this what? came through on her sister's number, right? Her sister's face showed up. She's looking at the phone. It's my sister's phone number. So she's like, oh. So she starts negotiating with this guy because he wants money. It's not even a lot of money, which, of course, might have tipped her off. He wasn't looking for gift cards. He wanted money, like, wired over Venmo or something like that. So, anyways, I end up talking to this guy for, like, 15 minutes. I'm trying to calm him down. I'm having, like, small talk with him. And I end up sending him money. And what's weird about it, too, is it's not like he was like, send me $1,500 in gift cards. It wasn't like that. He was like, I need you to send me money. I need to get home. I just got out of jail. I'm just trying to get home. I'm not a bad person. He was saying he started crying. Yeah, and again, she thought what she thought were muffled sobs of her sister in the background. Right. So now she's like freaking out, and she's already sent, she only sent $50, so she got off $50? easy. $50? Yeah. Boy, her sister's life wasn't worth that. Yeah, it wasn't I worth mean, that much. Jeez. But I would that, have been like, what? Can I send yeah. at least 100 Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she's at home at the time, and her mom walks into the room, and she cups the phone because she doesn't want this guy to hear. And she tells her mom what's going on. Her mom calls 911, and, and the police say, wait a minute. This is one of these scams. That's a total scam. Try calling your daughter right now. And uh, she calls the daughter, and the daughter picks up. Oh, hey, mom, what's going on? Right, so right. It's total phony, and this is uh, how it ends. I was terrified that he was going to kill my sister. So my mom called the police. Then she called my sister's actual number, and my little sister picked up. So anyway, we realized my sister was okay, and that was all good. But um, this was really, really scary. Yeah, so she wants everybody to know about it. And uh, local police, Tri-State, say, yeah, they've got a number of these calls. She was on the phone 16 minutes negotiating with this guy (laughs) until her mother said, wait a minute, I just called your sister, and she picked up. But, you know, when it comes through... And it looks like it's coming from that person. Sure, sure. Why wouldn't you believe it was real? So what they tell you to do is stay on the phone, right, obviously, and see if you have somebody else who can then call that person and see if it's legit. All right. Nextly done again. Noam all over this. He's become our Geraldo Rivera. Very yes. good investigative reporting. He's going to find the mob one of these days in uh, Sicily. I know <laughs> right. Noam. Uh, yeah, hey, nice. by the way, folks, uh, check out my Instagram this morning, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. For the third time in less than two years, I am now, as of this morning, gracing a magazine cover. You remember uh, Lou and Justin a couple of weeks ago when Melissa was here with that uh, cameraman for Preferred Health magazine, which I've been told is in just about every doctor's office across America. I don't know. Even up in Canada. Preferred Health magazine. I am on the cover. There's a nice uh, story on the inside. Some more pictures. A four-page spread Check it out on my Instagram at Rosenberg.Sydney today, and we'll have some copies to give away in a couple of weeks. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
Do the poll, Jack. I just spoke to uh, Joe Tacopina moments ago. Man, he is busy. He'd be very busy. Couldn't even give me five minutes to hop on this morning. And, you know, he's been doing, like, 30 interviews a day. We did speak to Arthur Idala back in the 6 o'clock hour. But a great show. John Katsimatidis, Lee Zeldin, Rich Lowry, and um, Noam. My mom is coming up at 9.05. We may speak to Tim Russert's kid, Luke Russert, in the 9 o'clock hour. But right now... We're going to talk to Pete King. So, again, I'm out of here Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I'm here today and tomorrow. So the guests that we have later in the week, I'm going to bring on the next two days. For example, Peter King is on every Wednesday morning at 840. He's joining me right now. Bill O'Reilly is on every Thursday morning at 940. At 840, I should say, too, and he'll join me tomorrow at 840. So here he is, the pride of Long Island Almost four decades as a political great, right there with Rudy Giuliani, Homeland Security, all of it, and most importantly, a dear friend of ours, the great Peter King. Good morning, Peter. Hey, Sid. How you doing? I'm good. You know, uh, I spoke to Lee Zeldin earlier. I brought up this uh, whole housing thing, which, you know, is a sore spot. I told you that um, Danielle works with Michelle Johnson, right. really Michelle Capitola, Anthony's daughter, and I got her on the phone a couple of weeks ago, and she was really upset about this whole housing issue with Kathy Hochul out on Long Island. And now, of course, uh, the budget was supposed to be in two days ago. And I get it. Bill reform's a big deal, so i got to give her some credit. But that's late. just seems like everything Hochul touches turns to uh, turns to crap. And this housing thing in Nassau County, that's a huge issue, yes? It's a very, very big issue. Basically, it's to change the whole nature of the suburbs. I mean, the idea of the suburbs is that uh, homes are uh, more spread out, there's more space, there's more mobility to get around, and that's why people left the city, and it's for good reason. I mean, listen, some people like the city. I understand that. I grew up in an apartment house in Queens, but if you want the grass, you want the lawn, you want more space for your kids, you move to the suburbs, and they want to change that. And to have somebody in Albany making that decision is just insane. Now, we have had areas in Nassau County and Suffolk County like Farmingdale and Patchogue, where local governments realized more housing was needed. They worked it out in a way that would not change the character of the community, that wouldn't put extra burden on the community, but would provide housing, let's say, for young married people or allow older people to stay in, in the community. That was done at the local level in ways where people understood the needs, the traffic needs, the education needs, the space needs, all of that. To have some bureaucrat up in Albany decide that X number of uh, People have to be in this area. We have to have so many units all of a sudden. It's absolutely just wrong. It's, uh, listen, we've seen enough damage done by the state government without giving them the right to change the nature of the suburbs. So, no, this is going to be a fight. It's going to be fought hard by Bruce Blakeman here in Nassau County. We draw Cairo. We are, this is something that really has people mobilized and ginned up and really, really angry. So ever since you came on this show, you, Bo Deedle, many others, many others, Corey Zelnick, Pete Morgan, and said that as much as you loved Trump back in 2016 and still love his policies, you really can't vote for him anymore because, you know, he's done all these other things, you know. So now my listeners kill you. Oh, he's a rhino, Pete King. He, I mean, they're the biggest morons ever. You know, I, I think they're morons. I really do. But this is what they do, you know. So um, now Trump is going to fly here this afternoon. He'll be arraigned 
in a courthouse tomorrow. Here is your opportunity, Peter, because I know you're sympathizing with Trump today. I know you are to go back to that Trump supporter you were back in 2016. Yes or no? No, I'm totally supporting him in this case. It doesn't mean I'm going to vote for him uh, in the right. primary. No, but I'm serious. This, to me, is a disgrace. This uh, indictment, this is, I mean, first of all, thank God that Donald Trump is Joe Sacopin as his lawyer. I hope he listens to him. You couldn't have a better guy in a case like this because you need a bulldog. You need a guy who's really smart but really tough, a, a guy who can be a great street fighter and be a great intellect. That's Joe Sacopina. Donald Trump has him. You should listen to him. No, this is. And I heard Curtis on the other day, who cares? You know, he's going to be acquitted. First of all, anyone who's ever gone through a process like this where you're indicted, where you're charged, where you have to stand trial, you have to pay hundreds of thousands or not millions of dollars in legal fees. At the end of the day, after maybe several years, you're found innocent. Meanwhile, you're broke. You're getting destroyed. Your family's reputation is ruined. And Donald Trump can afford you know, the financial end of it. But think of all the people who deal with Donald Trump, the businessmen, the people in politics, the people in labor unions, anyone who supported him. They find themselves being investigated. They find themselves being called in before the grand juries. This is a terrible precedent to set to use law enforcement as a means to get a political win. It's an absolute disgrace. It's banana republic style stuff. And I wouldn't want to do it to a Democrat or to anyone. This is just wrong. Let's fight it out. Let's fight it out in the you know, the court of public opinion, not in the criminal courts. I have no end of the line. When there's nothing to it. Right, there's nothing it's to zero. it. It's horrible. Right. Well, I mean, as far as we know, again, the indictment is still sealed. We'll, we'll find out tomorrow when he gets arraigned what's in it. But, yes, at least up to this point, we believe there's nothing there, nothing. They're trying to figure out a way to make a misdemeanor into a felony and a state charge into a federal, federal charge into a state charge. You know. But um, I have Miranda Devine on Friday. And it's funny because she was on Tucker Carlson Friday night telling him the same thing she told me Friday afternoon. So I beat him to the punch. But I asked her, I said, let me ask you. Here you have Hunter Biden. We got him red-handed. He's dead. He's dead in the water. We got everything, right? We got we got bank uh, statements. We got deposits. He's getting money from the Chinese, from the Russians, from the Ukrainians. Forget about the crack smoking and the hookers. This guy, and he's got his father's name in there, his uncle's name in there, his, his, his wife's name in there. We got him dead to right. What they're doing to Donald Trump, does this not mean now that Republicans will go after him? And she said to me, she said, Sid, guess what? It makes it harder now because they're going to claim Democrats, oh, this is your tit for tat. We went after Trump because he was guilty. Now you're going after us. She actually thinks this will be harder now to get the Bidens because they got to Trump first. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. For instance, let's just say you're in a real red state. You're just an attorney in, make up a name, Mississippi, Idaho, Montana or somewhere. And you find out that Hunter Biden made a phone call when he was in your state one night. Use that as a basis for everything that's on the the Hunter Biden laptop. We have some local district attorney come in and saying he made a phone call here. He deposited a check here. He's a bank account here. It's part of the whole Chinese kickback scheme that was on the uh, the laptop. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to indict him. I mean, you can, now that this has opened the door to that, the local prosecutors can now jump in, which was never done before. You never had local prosecutors jumping in to take advantage of a federal case. You, you couldn't see that. And also, no, I think that, I think what Miranda Devine is saying may have been true in the past, but this is so flagrant, what's happening here in Manhattan with Alvin Bragg, that unfortunately I think all bets are off. I think it would be a bad thing if Republicans did it, but on the other hand, they may feel they have no they have no alternative. You have to fight fire with fire here. The Democrats have so flagrantly violated the basic rules of decency that uh, to me it's now op- open season. 
and really no one is safe. And it's a terrible path we're going down. It really is. And again, I, I, I've said even if every fact that they're alleging or going to allege against Donald Trump is true, what we know now, none of that adds up to a crime. Even like, for instance, the, the false business report that the $130,000, you shouldn't claim that as a business expense. Quite frankly, if you're in business and your name was all over the place, Trump this, Trump that, then the fact is that a, 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 an allegation like this hurts your business. So it is a legitimate, I think, a legitimate business expense to pay somebody off. Of course. Call that way. Get a non-disclosure agreement right. to protect your business. To make that a crime itself is bad. Then to inflate that into a federal felony. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. No, in your business. And, and listen, maybe he really does care what Melania thinks. I don't know. But when you consider that Alvin Bragg's star witness is a convicted felon. I mean, forget about he's not a great guy. He lies every now and then, like the Murdoch trial. You know, he's a liar. This guy is already a convicted felon, and he's Alvin Bragg's star witness. Do you need to know anything else, Pete? No, and you know, it's really ironic, because I actually got to know Michael Cohen, and I would say 90% of our conversations with him telling me how Donald Trump was the greatest man he's ever met, he can never thank Donald Trump enough for all he's done to him. I would take a bullet for this guy. You have no idea, unless you're with him every day, how great Donald Trump is. And then when I talked to him, he said, hey, you know, what did Donald say about me? You know, I mean, he was his whole life revolved around Donald Trump. So for him now to come in and make out that Donald Trump is public enemy number one is so – listen, he got caught. Uh, whatever he's done over the years – and listen, I always thought he was sort of a, a character to be with or to talk with. But he is, he is his uh, – Revenge now against Donald Trump, and I think he's willing to say anything or do anything to bring him down. And for the government to be relying on him and a hooker and a porn star, I mean, this is this is madness, absolute madness. I mean, think about this for a second. Donald Trump is in court tomorrow, but not George Santos. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, wow. By the way, I would just say this again. I just hope Donald Trump listens to Joe Tacopina. I mean, Joe, is, uh, if I were in Donald Trump's position right now, uh, no matter how angry I am, and I can understand Donald Trump being angry, you got the best lawyer you could find. Let him do it, because this has real legal ramifications, everything you say and do. Let Joe plan his well, case and let him well, you know, give him the ball. I'm well, you're right, but, but I will say this. Donald Trump has been out for days now criticizing the judge here in New York, right? So you would think that Joe Tacopina would follow along, hey, that's Trump, former president, my client. They love each other. They talk like 30 times a day. I'm not exaggerating. But he didn't. Given the opportunity with Stephanopoulos yesterday, Takapina said, I got nothing against this judge. I don't even know this judge. So that's good. That's good because Joe knows he's going to have a court relationship with this guy, and he would rather not do that. Let Trump do all that stuff. It doesn't matter. So the fact that uh, Takapina did not go along with Trump says – He's his own person. He's going to do a great job defending Trump. But once again, he's his own person. That's good news, Peter. Oh, no, Joe is definitely his own person. I'm not worried about Joe. But, again, as far as, let's say, uh, making the motion you know, for change of venue, you don't need Donald Trump out there creating a hostile attitude. It's there to begin with. But don't give them an excuse to say, listen, it's, it's Trump that's creating the hostile attitude. It's not the, you know, the people there. That's what I'm saying. That there can be legal ramifications to some of the things that Donald Trump might say. Listen, I understand why he's doing it. He's Donald Trump. He got elected president. I mean, I've said before, he made every mistake. He broke every rule of politics in 2016. We all said he was wrong, and he got elected president of the United States. So he gets the last laugh. I'm, I'm not questioning his ability or his talent. But in this particular thing, where there are going to be precise motions being made for 
change of venue, selective prosecution, all of that. Yeah. Let Joe handle it from beginning to end. That's all I'm saying. No, I agree with you. I agree. We'll see what happens, though, because, again, even though what you're saying is right, I would, uh, if I was still a gambling man, I would bet the other way. But we'll see. It's certainly going to be worth watching. I'll tell you that. The next uh, 24 to 36 hours should be very, very interesting with uh, Joe Tacopina and, of course, Donald Trump. As always, Pete King, you're amazing. Thank you for hopping on with me on this Monday. We'll do it again uh, next week. You were great. Thank you so much. You too. And, again, have a great holiday. Thank Enjoy you. Enjoy yourself. Thank you. And uh, enjoy England, Wales, a whole bit. Thanks. I'm going to miss you over here. Not for long, but we'll miss you. <laughs> All right, Peter. Thank you. Happy uh, Easter to you, too. Good Friday, of course. Uh, Holy Thursday coming up. Then Good Friday. Then Easter. And uh, we celebrate Passover starting Wednesday and Thursday. But I'm going to see my little girl. So I miss my daughter desperately. That wraps up three great hours, folks, right? We have me a lot there. Arthur Idala. John Katsimatidis, Lee Zeldin, Rich Lowry, Noam Layden, Peter King. Still more to come, including, uh, she's everybody's favorite. She's my mother, Naomi, and she is on a warpath. Pissed with a capital P. Naomi is coming up next. Friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. The DA of Manhattan, who you know what I think of him. Okay, he's a piece of crap. Dove Hiken. <laughs> when Dove Hiken calls somebody a piece of crap, that's a religious Jew right there. That uh, that says a lot. It says an awful lot. Well, we know what's going on today, folks. Donald Trump will be leaving Palm Beach International in the next uh, two or three hours, flying to New York. He will go right to Trump Tower. He will spend the evening at Trump Tower. Sometime tomorrow morning, will make his way to the criminal court here in New York. Joe Tacopino will be there waiting for him. And um, hopefully it won't be an all-day affair. As soon as he's done, Donald Trump, he's out of here. He has no plans of staying any longer than he has to. So wheels are up, courthouse, and gone right after. Tomorrow they will unseal the indictment. So we'll find out more about how many charges exactly. Reports between 20 and 35, one felony, two felonies, who knows. So joining me right now, of course, is uh, one of the biggest Donald Trump fans out there. And just happens to be my mom, who I love so much, Naomi, who's a fan favorite. They love her. In fact, my uh, cousin Shannon and Hanan are listening right now on vacation in Florida. 
and my dear friend Tracy Bowden and her mother were listening. So, Mom, you've got uh, fans everywhere. And John Katsimatidis sent his regards. He actually lost his mother 46 years ago today. So, Thank you. I heard that. You heard I'm that? sad for him about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to reiterate what you, what you just, what your last person just said on air. This piece of crap, Alvin Bragg, this DA, that he's allowed to have any say in anything, it's a disgrace. It's a travesty to not only us, but to the United States of America. How dare they let this animal, this big fat loser, have anything to say about anything? First of all, he didn't get elected because he's so you know, so bright, he's so smart on all his credentials. He got he got elected because he had all these losers love him because what his whole cry was get Trump. Get Trump. This was his whole thing. That's how he got elected. And you, know, you know who voted him in, Mom? You know who voted him in? All those horrible Jewish people that we used to live with of on course, the Upper West Side. All these Jews that voted him in. Now they're going to get it in the neck. Because let me tell you something, this is not going unnoticed. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what faith you practice. We are all Americans and, uh, and bright and good, serious Americans will go against this big, fat loser, this Alvin Bragg, no matter what anyone thinks, including this whole bunch that's connected with the creature in the White House. I mean, we got a bunch that we have to deal with. That's you can't make this up. You cannot make this up. But you know what? Truth prevails. Truth prevails. We will get this big fat brag and we will get all these losers with this creature in the White House and everybody connected to him. Mm. All the bugs that work with him and for him, people that get on the air and say things about President Trump is it's a travesty. Did you hear it's Cuomo? Did you hear Cuomo in that church? Ferris Rosenberg. We are going to win. Yeah. We are going no, to rise to the cream. Yeah. We have we are the cream. Yeah, we're going to win. Did you hear Cuomo in that church talking about Trump? Did you hear this? This is this is this is how uh, Christian people have to think about this man sits in a church and says the most despicable things about president oh, about on. a president come on you animal you <laughs> they should they should get rid of him he's I'm, I'm sorry i say you animal because some animals we love he's not even worthy of that monica he's a disgrace well let me tell you let me tell you where there's a bunch of animals to use your word and it, it bothers me because you know how much I love you and, and your granddaughter who turns 19, believe it or not, on Friday, Ava. I know. I spoke to her yesterday. It was yeah. a pleasure. We're going to go see her tomorrow and your grandson, Gaby, and me and Daniel. You know how much we love you, but I got to tell you, Ma, I go on Facebook. You talk about animals. These people that I grew up in and around that you spend the whole summer with, I mean, it's not one or two. It's not your daughter or Beth Shamehow. There's a ton of them that are actually celebrating this. This is a horrible thing for a, I don't care if you despise Donald Trump. These are Donald Americans, Sidney Ferris. These are Americans celebrating the, yes. the annihil- trying to annihilate the most successful president. In, listen, my birthday's coming up in 16 days. Our birthday. Let me tell you, my son, yeah. in, my, in my lifetime, I have never witnessed anything like this. The last time we had anything that resembled Donald, uh, President Donald J. Trump was when when we had uh, uh, Ronald Reagan. He was the last 
sensible thing that ever happened to our country. You're a baby yet. You're a kid. And my listeners are all young and all, they weren't around as long as my I'm listeners. around. This. So good. No, my listeners, I like that. Good, go. Uh, you forgot to tell people, Mom, that your birthday is also my birthday. Well, I know it's, it's well, that was my gift. Yeah. Your, your dad made sure that I had the best gift gift that any human being could get. Well, you say, you, it was a, you say it was the best gift, but you're on record saying that uh, only the nurse saved you from jumping out the window. That's right, because you were such a hard, hard delivery. <laughs> you were so tough on me from day one. You weren't going, you know, you weren't going to make it easy for me, Sidney Ferris <laughs> Rosenberg. You are not going to make it easy for me. I know. But you know what? I'm a tough one. You know that. Your mom is a tough boy. I know that. And let me tell you. I, there was no way that I wasn't going to enjoy every minute of you from the moment that you entered into this wonderful world that we had, past tense had, and we will have again. We will come back. You know, the cream rises to the top, Sidney Ferris. We will come back. President Donald J. Trump is going to be our president. We're going to get rid of all these dirtbags that are in the White House now, yeah. connected with this creature in the White House. We are going to come back bigger and better than ever. We just got to fight. America, please, all my Americans, I don't care what color you are, what faith you practice, please, Americans, come to our rescue before we lose this country, the most wonderful country on the face of this earth. I'm begging all my Americans, all of you, please, I'm one of you, come on and let me hear your voice. Give me the uh, give me America. the scene right now. That was a beautiful uh, uh, plea there, Mom. I loved it. Give me the scene right now. In uh, you're in Aventura, Florida, still this morning. You're not back yet till after the Passover holiday, which starts, of course, on Wednesday. Uh, are, are you still by that country club circle or the people running? With give me the scene. Trump signs. Anybody there in Aventura supporting Donald Trump this morning? Uh, you know what? I have been listening. Um, I listen. I'm on from six to ten on your show, so I'm not. You know, I'm not really privy to what's going on in the street. Yeah. But no, I would say just off the top of my head, like yeah. after ten o'clock, when yeah. I do look, go out and see what's going on, I don't see either one. I don't see. You know. Well, mom, why don't you do? Why, why, mom, on. mom, why don't why don't you go out there in your white bikini and your Trump sign and uh, raise some hell? Oh, I would do that in a heartbeat. What are you kidding? You know that. But you know what? You can't intimidate that uh, President Trump. Nobody will intimidate him. He's going to fight to the bitter end, and we're all going to fight with him. I know that. When push comes to shove, our American people will rise to the top. They will come and fight for him. Yes, you have to believe that. You know, Sidney, we have to look at the glass half full, not half empty. Because if we look at this glass half empty, then we're lost. We're gone. And you know what? President Trump don't want that. He really doesn't want that. He wants Americans to fight like he is. And we will. We will bond together. We will come together. And we will get him back in office. And we will get this country back to where it was when he was the president of the United States of America. You can't beat him. You can't, you know, you can't keep a good dog down. You cannot. And we will get to where we have to be. I'm positive of that. All right. But first we've got to get rid of the, the first we've got to get rid of the crap. See, that's the problem. We've got to get rid of the swamp that's in Washington. Are you, are you, are you proud of Joseph Takapini? I think he's doing a good job. Oh, my God. Yeah. Listen, your daddy, every day he got in the car with you going to poly prep, he was a delicious little boy just like <laughs> you were. 
We loved him. To me, he's another kid. He's another kid in my family. He's very successful. He's brilliant, and I love him. He's just another kid in my household. That's what he was to Daddy and I. I know Daddy is looking down and saying, Thank you, Joseph. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Because yeah. you know what your father felt about Trump. Yeah. You know that. He's actually on a Zoom with Trump as we speak, Takapino, which only I know because I speak to Joseph about 100 times a day. Um, so I say he's got the right lawyer. You you know, you think he's going to win. So do I. Mom, let me give you the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is he doesn't win. And what? I think that we're in the sewer. What if Ron That's DeSantis what wins? What if DeSantis wins? Well, uh, you know, I like him. I really do. I have to tell you. I just think that he's young. He has a lot of years ahead of him. And I think if we get back Trump, if we get back President Trump and he gets the the country, gets the United States of America back where it was, then – then we could get DeSantis. Then we can get Ron DeSantis in there to finish the job to make sure that we, the people of the United States of America, forget about party, that we, the people who love this country more than anything else, that we will keep this country the way it was when Trump was in and the way it would be if DeSantis got in after Trump. Now, Mom, your question. I, Mom, are you going to get into a fist fight with, like, Beth Shamow or one of these morons at the pool upstate this summer? What? No, no, Sydney. you know why? Because I wouldn't stoop to them. Oh. I wouldn't stoop to them. This is who they are. We know who we're dealing with. You're dealing with crap. <laughs> You're dealing with scum. You're dealing with the, the, the scum. Of the uh, earth. No, don't say Why that. We... No, they, they, they put a sign on their lawn that says racism doesn't live here. Of course, I'd like to see them put that same sign up when 10 inner city families uh, go to Kanyanga Lake and all of a sudden start, start uh, water skiing on their pristine lake with their white Jewish neighbors and their golf courses and all the nonsense. Who do they think they're kidding? Racism doesn't live Listen, here. They live with a bunch of white Jewish people. Because I know that you, that you do. You know, you do uh, from time to time have this uh, mayor on your show That's with true. you. Yeah. Yes. And and yeah. I have to tell you, I am incensed. You hate I him. I am incensed. You hate him. Yeah. We have the, we own, when I say we, because you and your siblings own this house as much as I own it and I'm living in it. In all the 44 and a half years that I'm in White Lake, I have never locked my door, Sydney, ever. How dare he send a hundred of these near duels? to Sullivan County, to that college that's in my backyard. Put them in his backyard. Let him put, or better than that, let him put them in his backyard, not in my backyard, that I have to lock my door. I go in the morning with my cup of nice hot coffee and sit on my deck. I wouldn't be able to do that. I'll have three padlocks now on my door. I mean, please, are you kidding me? He's going to allow he don't know. I don't know who they are. We don't know who they are. No. And he certainly doesn't know who they are. How dare he do such a thing? Let him take them in his backyard and let him take them to Martha's Vineyard and put him in Obama's backyard in his $60 million home. Put him next Not door to uh, Put him next door to Atlanta and the Shamehaus. They're, they're very tolerant people. They're, they're okay with it. They're fine. They're very they tolerant people. would accept them, but well, I don't. <laughs> yeah, they and probably I'm would accept them. And yeah. I don't really yeah. give a damn what the hell they think. 
but I wouldn't stoop to the level. Ma, you if sound you sound angry this morning, Ma. I mean, is, is it the, the... Listen, I am more than angry. Oh. I'm suffering because I, I'm, I'm suffering because I can't believe what this country allowed happen to our beautiful President Trump. I cannot, I can't imagine it. I can't imagine in my lifetime. You, none of you kids even know. You have no clue what this allowed to happen in my lifetime. I mean, since Ronald Reagan, we haven't had any decent president in our country. Well, I Bush, mean, was, Bush, Bush 41 was a good president. Nobody was bad as what we have now. Yeah. Sidney Ferris, no matter what you want to say, yeah. nobody is bad is what we have now. Bush I mean, 40, I know but, but, there was another one that also we didn't love, a couple other ones that yeah. we also didn't love. Yeah. and. But nobody was as bad as what we. No, have no, he's there. the worst. He's worse than Carter. But I would say Bush forty-one. I mean, and Carter, the worst part of him was he was a terrible anti-Semite. Yeah, no, he no. was the worst Jew hater on the face of this earth. <laughs> Jews don't know this, nor do they care. But he was, aside from his other maladies, his other crap. But still, to this day. What we have now is the worst we've ever had in the United States of America, and that's a given. So we got to get rid of this swamp. We got to get rid of this crap before we do anything else. We got to get rid of them, and the only way we can do that if we have everybody, every American. I'm begging you, Americans, please, Americans. I'm begging you, come out and vote for Trump. Come out and fight. Let's hear your voice for President Donald J. Trump. I'm begging you, because without him, we're in the sewer. We're done, and we can't allow that to happen. Look what happened over the weekend with this with these oil, this oil now that I heard that uh, what's his face, Castamontiti, announced on your show yep. what went on with this oil over the weekend. It's a big deal. I mean, I mean, the whole economy shot. My interest rates are through the, the ceiling. Uh, oil is uh, it's depleted and going up in in, uh, in charge. Uh, you, you got uh, the supermarkets. Uh, the, the food is is beyond expensive. It's a mess. I, I don't know what this guy's done right. I mean, you've got wars all over the world right now, and more wars about to start any day. You've got a president now in a courthouse. I mean, what are these people watching? And what they're watching, they're watching what Hollywood wants them to watch. That's another that's another section, another another bunch, another bunch that we got to get rid of these all these multi-zillionaires. They they all talk with their pocketbooks. They think that they're going to get through. But this will end. Sydney, we have to believe that. Otherwise, we're dead in the water if we don't. But I mean, to have this D.A., this Alvin Bragg to go to to get elected because he wants to get Trump, I mean, he has no other credibility. None, None whatsoever. None. 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 Zero. Yeah. All right, Ma, so listen, I got like 60 seconds to go. You were brilliant today. You you once again met every expectation. You've exceeded every expectation. My phone always blows up. Your listeners, as you like to call them, they love you. 60 seconds, the parting message from Naomi for your listeners. I'm begging Americans, I'm begging all of Americans, I don't care what color you are, I'll reiterate, I'll repeat myself, I don't care what color, I don't care what you want to affiliate yourself with, I'm begging Americans to fight, to fight for truth, fight for Trump, fight for what we need in this country to get our country back where we were in 2016, because without Trump, and we keep this 
crap in, this swamp in there, we have no more country. We can't allow this to happen. We have children and grandchildren growing up. Forget about me with my 16 great-grandchildren. But normal people have children, grandchildren growing up. Let's leave our country something for them that they can be proud of, that they can wake up in the morning and have, not have to worry that they're going to be told what to eat, when to eat, how much they can spend, how much they can buy, how much they can have in the bank. Everything is going to be not for them, not for our children and grandchildren. they got to be able to wake up in the morning and say, oh, thank you, dear Lord. Thank you, dear God. Thank you, Hashem. Thank you for everything you've given us to get this president back in office, our President Donald J. Trump. Get him back in office. Get the country where it was. Bring us back to reality. Bring us back to truth. I love all my Americans. I'm begging you as one of you. Please let me hear your voice. Mom, that was beautiful. Excellent job, Louis, playing the presidential music okay, in the before background. Before I leave, I just have to say, even though we're on the air, I hope you go safely, come safely on your trip to see my beautiful, beautiful Ava. I spoke to her yesterday, and uh, I can't wait to see her. So be safe. Enjoy everything. Have a wonderful Pesach, a wonderful Passover holiday. And I hope to speak to you again real soon. All right, Mom. You're great. I love you. Great job. I love you. I'll talk to you Wednesday before the holiday, okay? Okay, darling. Thank you. All right. Be safe. All right. There she is, folks. Naomi Rosenberg. The uh, the phone is blowing up. I'll try to get to some of these messages before we end today's show. We'll take uh, one quick look at traffic. Lori Blanchard. uh, She's out there somewhere. Want to take a break first? Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll get to Lori Blanchard. We'll play the game. Naomi Rosenberg. That's a heck of a job, man. I love you. Is sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Song. Is this my girl likes to party all the time? Party all the time. Party all the time. Eddie Murphy is 62 years old today. These kids today have no idea. I mean, luckily, there's some really good comedians still out there today. Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, mostly black. I can't really. Louis Jim C- Brewer. Louis C.K. He's not funny. You He's okay. Does it make you laugh? No, never. Wow, okay. Yeah, I mean, still like that show, um, Lucky Louie on HBO, because Jim Norton made me laugh more than Louie did, but um, he's fine. The black <laughs> guys are funnier. I've always felt that way. I'm sorry. I've always, like, <laughs> Richard Pryor was the best. Oh, my God. The best. The, the best. only time, the only white guys that made me laugh a lot over the years were, like, Rodney Dangerfield. I loved him. 
I'm too young to remember Lenny Bruce. Seinfeld? Funny. It's funny. It's good. Yes. You know, I'll give you that. He's actually, when you see him in concert, he's really funny. I'll give you that. Did you say Jim Brewer? I love Jim Brewer, who moved to one Naples. <clears throat> but uh, the you know, Eddie Murphy, come on, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, these guys, your belly left. Eddie, when he did Raw and Delirious, <laughs> those were two of the special. I mean, come on. Yeah. You can't beat that. And Bowfinger's like one of my favorite movies. It's one of the worst movies ever. You don't like it. One of the worst movies ever. Bowfinger. I mean, the guy did 48 hours. I love it. And uh, Coming to America, and you just named Bowfinger. I love this Bowfinger. Is, this dude. is why you, you, you just. I think it's so funny. It's almost as remember, good as you gotta, remember, you the last, remember, remember what happened to the last guy that tried that that, that yelled at Greg Gutfeld was funny. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't been on this show since. <laughs> That's not the same. That is not the same thing. Uh, it's <laughs> entirely the same thing. Bowfinger? He did 48 hours. Yeah. It's also a funny movie. I just, I think Bowfinger. He did Trading fun. Places. Good movie. Trading Places. I'm not saying the other Bow movies finger. suck. I'm just saying that's my favorite Eddie Murphy movie. Well, you're an idiot. <laughs> All right. Well, have you seen Cocaine Bear yet? No. Uh, but now that I you told me it's on Netflix, I'm going to watch it. You're not going to watch uh, it. I don't know. You're just mad that that bear did more coke than you have. <laughs> you get there, there we go, go again. again. There, there you go. go. Every time your mother gets mad, I know. <laughs> Especially right before Baysock. Yeah. Where are you doing the uh, first Seder this year? Uh, my parents' house. Oh, nice. Yeah. So is it you, your mom, your dad, who else? You, me, my mom, my dad. I guess my grandparents will show up. And, That's nice. Yeah. Is that your mom's parents or your dad's? My mom's parents. Oh, nice. Yeah. So like five of you? Do you read the whole? No, we do like an abbreviated Pesach. So you do the, the, the questions. Yes. How many questions are there, Louis? Quick. Seven. Good. Uh, you do the seven questions. Yeah. And then you sing Dai Dai Enu. Dai Dai Enu, yes. Was I close? Not even close. <laughs> then you then you hide the Appy Coleman. Uh, yeah. Mm. And uh, yeah, my grandpa usually puts like twenty bucks in the Appy. Oh, that's. Uh, let me tell you something. He's a big spender. <laughs> yeah. My grandpa might have put five bucks in there. Yeah. Twenty bucks. And then you do the uh, the table with all the gross stuff on it, or the the plate with all the gross stuff on it. Right. What what is the grossest item on that Seder plate? If you got uh, if if I had to pick, it yeah. would be the um, shank bone. No. The morosis? The hard-boiled egg is always, like, rotten. Yeah, I love hard-boiled Well, why is it rotten? Get a good hard-boiled egg. <laughs> no, it's always rotten. Like we use the same egg every year. Somebody asked me this morning <laughs> if I like a filter fish, and what's funny is I actually kind of do like it, uh, and I like it a lot with um, horseradish, the red or the white, but I never really eat horseradish. Out- I mean, excuse me, the filter fish outside of Pesach. Yeah. Well, it's not real fish. It's not what? It's not real. Fi- I mean, I guess it is real fish, but it's a bunch of different fishes just mashed into a ball of, like, That's fish. not true. I think it is. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's no real gefilte <laughs> fish? <laughs> yeah. Like, if you go fishing, you're not going to reel in a gefilte. Doesn't happen? <laughs> no. See, I don't even know that. Oh, my God. Which is the fake Jew? Which is the real <laughs> I'm Jew? telling you, know. it's not a real Hold fish. Look it up. Look it up. <laughs> Does your mother make the matzo ball soup? No, but my grandma makes a mean matzo ball soup. Was she going to make it this year for the Seder? No, I hope so. Sounds like a boring Seder, your Seder. No. Do you watch TV or anything? What are you supposed to do? Take your underwear uh, off and throw it on your head? That's what my family did. I mean, my God. Drank Jägermeister shots never, during the four s- questions. I've never seen you try so hard to get to 10 o'clock right now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Boy. Now, it's time for Sid's Take. Good luck. 
It's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. All right. Monday morning, 944 on your Monday morning. So now you get your uh, Monday installment, your Monday edition, I should say, your movie Monday edition of the Peerless Boilers Sid's Take Trivia Game, sponsored again by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best-built boilers. Today we have Dennis out in Oceanside. What's going on, Dennis? Good morning. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you, my man? Doing all right. Doing all right this beautiful Sunday morning. Yeah, well, it's a Monday morning, Hello. but close enough. Time to wake up. Hello. Oh, I'm a day off. I'm a day off. Well, uh, hopefully you don't have a job because uh, you should be at work. <laughs> 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 all right, Dennis. So uh, we got Movie Monday. Just uh, some fun little movie trivia on this Monday morning. You ready to go? Let's do it. All right. Number one. In this 1986 comedy, a high schooler and two of his friends cut school to gallivant around Chicago. Name the movie. That would be Ferris Bueller's Day Spectacular. One for one, Dennis. Monitor number two. On this day in 1968, a sci-fi thriller starring Charlton Heston and Roddy McDowell and directed by Franklin Schaffner premiered in the United States, initiating a series of sequels, tie-ins, and derivative works that are still being released today. Name the franchise. That would be Chick-fil-A. No. Uh, <laughs> not, a, not a bad movie. <laughs> no, no, not a bad movie at all. Eat more chicken, they say. Uh, Planet of the Apes would be the correct answer there. One for oh, two, Dennis. I knew that. Uh-huh. On to number three. Today is Alec Baldwin's birthday. What was the title of the movie that he was shooting when he accidentally shot and killed his cinematographer? Uh, oops. No idea. Oh. They almost called it Oops. Yeah. <laughs> the movie was called Rust. Okay, my bad, my bad. Uh, one for three, Dennis. On to number four. Today is also comedian Eddie Murphy's birthday. Among the many films Murphy has appeared in, what is the highest grossing one starring the comedian? That would be, hmm, oh, I know, Beverly Hills Cop. The correct answer there, Shrek 2. Really? Yes, playing the infamous donkey. On to number five, Dennis. One for four. Let's try and go two for five here, bud. In 1978. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know you're trying. In 1978, at the 50th Annual Academy Awards, what was the Woody Allen film that beat out Star Wars for Best Picture? 1978. Hold on, hold on. Uh Oh, man. Give me some initials. Come on. I'll give you the initial. All right, fine. I'll give you the initials. A.H. A.H. Oh, shoot. A.H. American Heartbreak. (laughs) (laughs) No. It sounds like a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Annie Hall. Annie Hall would be the correct answer there, Dennis. I was close. I was close. That's a good effort. Uh, It doesn't sound like you watch a lot of movies. Would I be correct in assuming that, Dennis? That would be very correct. What's the last movie you saw, Dennis? In the movie theater? Uh, Just in general. What's the last movie you saw? Uh, last movie I saw would have to be Goodfellas. Oh, all right. Well, that's a good movie. Good bet. Oh. All right. As he slaps me in the face getting into the studio here. The big guy's back. Hi, buddy. How do you do? Uh, he went one for five. Yeah. You got to get two. And you win. I. All right. No. Movie Monday. Are we clear on that? Yeah. Okay. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say Movie Monday? Yeah. 
In this 1986 comedy, a high schooler and two of his friends cut school to gallivant around Chicago. Name the movie. My middle name. Uh-huh. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. There you go. Matthew Broderick, who was married to Horseface Sarah Jessica Parker, who was great in Sex in the City, mind you, as Carrie Bradshaw. Great. Mm-hmm. But, um... She looked like uh, charismatic. Yeah. No, not, not let back in Ireland for a long time. Yeah. Oh, I know. He killed somebody, right? Oh, he did. <laughs> he did that um, show with Nathan Lane on Broadway, too, didn't he? He's a talented kid, Matt. The producer. Boy, oh, he's not a kid anymore. Yeah. Or whatever. He's fine. On to number two, one for one. Yeah. On this day in 1968, a sci-fi thriller starring Charlton Heston and Roddy McDowell and directed by Franklin Schaffner premiered in the United States. How did States. this guy only get one right? That's Planet of the Apes. It's too easy. Oh, ones. my God. Are you serious? I didn't know you were a big Planet of the Apes guy. I'm not. Oh. I have a heart booger on my left uh, nostril. I can't get it out. Uh, and okay. it's like hurting me. It's, I think, I don't know. Am I bleeding? Take a look. No. No. <laughs> no, you're not bleeding. <laughs> Jesus. All right, on to number three, two for two. You've won today's game, but in an attempt to keep it perfect here. Look closer, maybe. Today is Alec Baldwin's birthday. What was the title of the movie that he was shooting when he accidentally shot and killed his cinematographer? Say this again. What was the movie Alec Baldwin was shooting when he oh, shot and killed called, his... Um, uh... it was, yes, I know this. Uh, oh, um, I forgot it. No. Oh. Rust. Rust. Rust would be the yes. correct answer. On to number four. Today is also comedian Eddie Murphy's birthday. Among the many films Murphy has appeared in, what is the highest grossing one starring the comedian? I got to go with uh, Treading Places. Nope. Loser. Shrek 2 would be your correct answer. Is that right? Yes. In 1978, at the 50th Annual Academy Awards, what was the Woody Allen film that beat out Star Wars for Best Picture? Andy Hall. There you go. Three for five, a good showing out of Sidney Rosenberg. Sidney Ferris Rosenberg. So I won the game? You won the game. All right, we're going to take a quick break, come back, and talk to these guys from Balance of Nature as we wrap up a Monday show right after this. It's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. I got Doctor Doug and Tommy here from Balance of Nature, and there's like eighteen other people. We took the whole jazz basketball team here. Um, so I was telling these guys that um, I've got a nephew. Um, his name is Eric, and um, he died uh, two years ago. He was only thirty-four years old. In fact, his little boy, Sammy, turned five uh, just uh, last weekend. I'm very close with his wife, Jennifer. It's my sister, Ray Sherry's uh, son-in-law. And at the end of his life, when he was really, really, really sick and dying of cancer, which did kill him at a very young age, the only thing that made him feel okay was balance of nature. My brother-in-law, Albert, stacked up on balance of nature. And again, he still died. He had a very aggressive form of cancer. But the only time he felt okay, this is a true story was when he took balance of nature. I don't know how you can get a better testimonial than that. I don't know how you can. Well, I'm, I'm going to step in here for the FDA and a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. <laughs> we don't claim to cure cancer. We don't claim to cure anything. But it's amazing what the body will do when it has the proper chemistry. Mm. And and that's, that's what balance of nature does. I formulated this 25 years ago. Well, how'd you do that? I'm just, I'm, it's an amazing product, and you've had oh, great success so how does this come about? You're just walking around the house, and how does this happen? Well, uh, that's a long it's story, a long but story. I'll get a really short version okay. of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
you know, I started out in medicine and in emergency rooms when I was 14 years old and came up through and started realizing more natural aspects. I became, a, I, I, I combined chiropractic and medicine and uh, I studied in Russia and I was the Dean of Foreign Student Affairs at Pavlov Medical University for four years. And while there, I started discovering and understanding other chemistry in our foods. And that's where originally pharmacy used to come from anyways, from extracts of natural organic materials. Right. And um, and found out there was hundreds of thousands of chemicals in, in just any given fruit or vegetable, in an apple. You know, you don't realize there's hundreds of thousands of chemicals in there. And, and the undiscovered ones are the ones that are popping up going, oh, this is important. And what I found out finally was it's not any one chemical. Any one chemical will have a side effect. But when you put them all together... So then I started taking the fruits and vegetables and combining them to see which ones would give us the best effect on DNA responses and some other studies that we did. In Russia, while we were there, we did studies on garlic. And they, it was funny. They came in one time and they, they said, I was just in America. And, and, and I found the most astonishing thing when I was there. Uh, they, they, they had garlic in the, in the store selling to people that was deodorized. And they were laughing. The, the odor is the most important chemical yeah. in there. Yeah. They've taken it out, and they're selling this to people across the nation. Oh, they were laughing about it. Yeah. And then I started going through this. How can I get my patients to eat more fruits and vegetables? And I started juicing, went through that whole process. Yeah, sure, so that's sure. extraction, and yeah. I don't. we don't do extraction. We do concentration mm-hmm. because it's very important. The skin and the core and the seeds of an apple or whatever, I'm just using it as an example, are the important components. Sure. And so we, we concentrate it and we put it all together and, and we have a variety of different fruits and vegetables, 31 different fruits and vegetables. Then when you add fiber and spice, there's 12 different spices because those are concentrated color, smell, and taste. That's the chemistry. You take any of those out and you change it. Anyways, then the studies and what came out and what they do and how they combine with each other. And originally, I just made it to help you – well – I did it so that you would have a, a healthier longevity of life. Sure, sure. And and then and we started getting all these great side effects. Well, one of the side effects that, that I notice when I take it is uh, the pep, the energy. I like to work out, obviously. I'm at the gym all the time. And uh, I found that I would take Palace of Nature kind of like a pre-energy drink. Yeah. And I would get my best workouts. Still do, by the way. Uh, I take Palace of Nature, go to the gym, and I'm guaranteed at least 50 more pounds on the weight press. Guaranteed. Yeah, but here's the other thing is is that doesn't surprise me because the mitochondrial effect and all these things. Again, I don't sit there and, and, and sell it as a sports product, but I will tell you this. It helps cleanse the cell, clear down to the DNA, DNA level. That's why many, many athletes take it. We had, a, we had an athlete who just ran, uh, I don't remember, 76 marathons, a marathon every day. Wow. And he was basically living on balance of nature yeah. to do that. We had yeah. a man who circumvented the earth, the, the whole earth in a very small, I think a 26 foot sailboat, never touching land. And he survived it with balance of nature. No kidding. And the thing with this is, is again, I, I got to preface this. It's not a cure all, but it's amazing what your body can do when given the right chemistry. Yeah, I, I was sick um, a couple of times the last couple of years. A cold, you know, nothing, uh, the flu, not COVID, obviously. And I would take balance of nature, and I'd feel fine the next day. I mean, literally fine the next day. Um, uh, the cold didn't go away. It was still there. But I wasn't feeling all the nastiness because I took balance of nature about two minutes to go. This uh, product has been around now for 20 years. But you can't buy this in CBS 
or any of these drugstores. Well, you can only get it online, right? Yeah, well, we, we do that for quality purposes. Right. Well, that makes sense. And uh, for people who want to buy it right now, they go to BalanceOfNature.com. Really that simple. And um, and right now, there's how many different products in, in terms of the the pills that you would sell in the red bottle, in the green bottle? How many different products are there? The most important thing is it's a whole health system, and it was always meant to be and Together. always was with the fiber and spice. And so there's really just the three things. People ask us consistently, when when are you coming out with another one yeah. or this or yeah. that? You know what? This is the base. This is what we do. Is what I've done for 25 years, and it's to get your base solid. Could you have ever imagined it would be this wildly successful when you were in Russia and coming up with all these different theories as to why this may work? Could you ever imagine it would be this successful? Yes. You know it. <laughs> you know it. You're a, smart, you're a very smart guy, you can tell. Well, I didn't do it for that. Yeah. I, I, I really have to – people have to understand I did it to change the health of the world, yeah. and that is how I imagined it, yes. Wow, good for you. Balanceofnature.com, Brooks. Uh, go get it today. I take it. I love it. Uh, like I said, whether I'm going to the gym – I want to have a cold. I feel better that day. I'm able to work out that day. And the story about my nephew Eric is true, too. Congratulations, uh, Dr. Doug and Tommy and the whole crew back there on a wonderful product. The world loves Balance of Nature. So do I. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Take care. There you go, folks. Balanceofnature.com. That wraps up another big-time sitting friends in the morning show. I want to thank all of our guests. Donald Trump on his way to New York City. I'm sure he takes Balance of Nature. He better. He's going to need it the next couple of days, I'll tell you. And uh, he's got his big arraignment tomorrow. We'll cover that for you, of course, all day long with some of the biggest attorneys in the country. So until tomorrow at 6 a.m., everybody, from all of us, including the crew at Balance of Nature, to all of you, peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.